This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I love you. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am Rich Grace alongside, as always, a very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? A reasoned and well-explained man. The leader of the hardcore wrestling intelligentsia. The most compelling voice in wrestling media. The Kenta Kobashi of sex. And of course, the king of banter. Those are the ones I can remember. Yeah, internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, as heard on BBC Radio. That's oh, well, thank there. you very much, Rich. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a big one. That used to be your favorite. That used to be your favorite for a while. <laughs> you moved off that. It's been a few years since that. What, what, I forget what they even call you about. Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah. Hulk Hogan being a racist, right? Correct. <laughs> they needed to hands on the call, yeah. That's right. Because you, you, go. you got to call an internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist if you got to get if you right, gotta get of big course, stories of down. There was no one else to call. They knew right where to go. So and Bix wasn't answering his phone. So I mean, they didn't want Bix. They wanted me. <laughs> Just so, there go. Why, why the reason to bring all the uh, nicknames back? This I don't week? know. You why just, not? You, you're in the mood. You're in a mood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. Know. I got your. Uh, I got your internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist as heard on BBC Radio from. Uh, I was. I was fucking around on Grapple, which we'll talk about Grapple here in a little bit, and I see that you uh, you filled up the profile quite well on Grapple with all of your nicknames. The Kenta Kobashi of Sex uh, is not on there, though. I think that, and that's a good idea. This is a nice, wholesome app. Don't ruin it with your, your sleaze, but every other one is up there, so that's, uh, that is pretty uh Are they? Cause, pretty um, I think my bio, yeah, they're all there. My bio is just like, I'm rich, hi, and you're just like, <laughs> voicewrestling.com, king of bats, the most compelling voice in wrestling media, reason well-explained man, a leader, like, it's just it's like, oh, God, like, if, if you didn't know who you were, you'd be like, this guy is a jerk. Like, well, listen. Well, if you know who you are, you're going to say you're a jerk, too, so that's. That's like, true. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a humble man. Um, I didn't put any of that on there. I mean, that must have just been, the grapple app people oh, must have said. stop. Get out of here. This is not a proper introduction, so they must have added all of that. Um, you, you know, I, what what it doesn't say. I should get rid of the the URL. No one needs that. What I should put on there is an accurate star raider because I think that would fit in with of all of all the nicknames. That is definitely one that you should. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if I necessarily agree about not putting the URL in there. That might be a good idea, you know, to promote the website. But uh, maybe one of these other ones can drop down, or you have unlimited space on your bio. I don't know. We we know the guys, so we can maybe get you to get an expanded bio, perhaps. You know, 
that's a great idea. I think um, that'll be one of the suggestions I make. I do think I deserve an expanded bio. I do think uh, I can't fit all my names in there. So, um, you know, that's what the people demand. That's what the people want. You know, mm-hmm. this is a very 2014-ish opening here because I got to tell you, my mojo, I'm feeling my mojo here. I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm feeling confident and, dare I say, Rich, a little cocky this week. Yeah, well, we got a lot of fun topics to talk about. It's it's going to be kind of a big picture show, and and these are the ones where I think we really shine because, you know, yeah, we, we can talk about the weekend wrestling and what we watched this last week and all that stuff's great, but I think this one is going to be fun because it's a lot of kind of the business of wrestling, the changing of guard of wrestling, what's next, what's going on, and, and of course, we're talking about the WWE and NXT UK and their signings, you know, Walter signing with WWE. Uh, you had kind of went on a mini rant, which was related to this stuff on your Monday TV reviews on Patreon.com uh, slash Voice of Wrestling about, you know, the U.S. indies and the need for the replenishing of the pond and, and new stars coming in or whatnot. So it should be a pretty fun one in that where we don't necessarily have to get bogged down necessarily by what we watch and matches we like and dislike, but a little bit more of kind of the big picture stuff. And then we have some questions as well. Um, we asked our listeners and our Patreon subscribers to send us uh, questions at patreon.com slash voice wrestling, as well as uh, voice wrestling.com slash forums. And we got a lot of really good questions too. So I, I, I like these shows. I like these ones where, you know, we don't necessarily have to, you know, we can kind of spread our wings a little bit here and, and, and have some, you know, big picture discussions and, and, and macro thoughts on, on things. So I think let's just get right after it right away with this NXT UK news and, and everything going on in WWE. So for, I think most people listening to this probably do know the, you know, kind of what's going on. But for the most part, if, if you don't, I'll, I'll just kind of run it down here real quick. Um, members of the NXT UK roster, uh, they receive new deals that will stop them from working from outside companies is the gist of what's going on here. And now this is it was about a year and a half ago, right, where they initially signed these NXT UK guys. And, and, and you can go back and listen to that show or you can go read it or whatnot. I don't think we need to do a diatribe about that again. But the, the numbers given were, were relatively low. They were in the 20, 25,000 range. And a lot of us thought it was not a very good deal. We were wondering, well, geez, if you can't work your indies or NXT can kind of pull you from your indies or WWE can kind of pull you, that that might end up not being a good deal for a lot of guys. And I would say largely, without kind of getting into that whole big discussion again, Joe, would you agree that it actually probably turned out pretty okay for a lot of the, the, the people that signed it. Yeah, I think at first some talent was getting pulled from shows and everybody kind of had a panic attack. But once it settled in, I think the people who signed them, and there were some people who were very, you know, who turned them down. Um, there were people who said no initially. Um, you know, World of Sport was on the horizon and all that too, let's not forget. But yeah, I think the people who signed them, I think um, with the benefit of hindsight, we can say that uh, that yes, it, it has worked out for them. In particular, obviously, people like Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. Pete Dunne, Tyler right. Bate, Trent Seven, and Wolfgang. Trent Seven. I mean, yeah, it worked out for them uh, especially, and maybe even like a Mark Andrews, people like that. And now we're seeing that even you know go further down the line, now that they've rolled out NXT UK. Um, yeah, I would say that most of the people who signed them are, are probably very pleased uh, that they did. Yeah, and and, and you know we, we mentioned again that like our, our worry was that it, you know WWE was just going to pull them from shows left and right or whatever, and that initially happened when they first signed the deals. Like there was a few shows, and it was like, oh crap, oh geez, here we go, and then it pretty much stopped. And these guys were able to kind of do whatever they want, and and companies sort of adjusted pretty quickly, and it felt like everything was kind of okay, and everything was fine, and everything was kind of business as usual uh, in that entire scene. Which so yeah, that was you know remarkably 
a positive. Uh, this one we'll we'll talk about here in a sec because this might be a little tr- uh, tricky, but uh, this is kind of a, a rundown of everything uh, going on. Uh, so yeah, those those deals that were signed previously, as we mentioned, but neighborhood of twenty to twenty five thousand dollars per year, um, are going to receive an increase in their salary with this new deal, and it will prevent them from working anywhere except for WWE and the promotions they have relationships with. So we'll kind of break it down one by one as we kind of read stuff over here. So. No longer are you able to kind of take any booking that you want, and no longer do you need to get things approved and all that sort of stuff. You are just straight up prevented from working anywhere except WWE or the promotions that they have relationships with. And we'll get to those here in a little bit. But that changes a lot of things because now it is you're exclusive and we are giving you a pay raise. And, and we hope that the pay raise does, you know, sort of make up for it. But what are your thoughts on them be now becoming exclusive to either WWE or or the properties, and we're going to mention those properties here in a little bit because that is very important as well. It does. How does that sort of change from what was going on before? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, from whose perspective? You know, now that I see the list of promotions and the fact that we can confirm that they all got raises, which I think was an important part of it too. The list of promotions is a little deeper than I thought it was going to be, and a little deeper than the speculation was as well. So I think you know. The fact that they all got raises, the fact that the list of promotions is pretty is pretty deep, all things considering. I mean, all the big promotions are there with the exception of RevPro. Um, you know, and, and I guess Defiant and, uh, you know, and World of Sport, obviously, because those World of Sport has a whole different set of wrestlers under contract. Um, so, I mean, from a wrestler perspective, this is really good. I mean, you can't. You know, if they fax this over to me, uh, you know, presuming that the raise is, is is healthy and whatnot, and I'm looking at that list of promotions, which are the primary places I've been working anyway for most of these people, I got to be honest, I'm pretty happy as a talent. Now, who gets screwed here are the fans, and this is where all the outrage is coming from because all of these other mid-level and smaller independent promotions in the UK and across Europe, uh, presumably can no longer use this talent. And that is a big problem for a mid-level indie or the indie in, in your hometown that might book one or two of these people on a show once a month or once every two months, fill it out with locals. Well, now you don't have uh, for the promoter that, that, you know, Pete Dunn on top to help draw a crowd or, you know, Mustache Mountain working a tag match to, to, uh, you know, as a fan, and and that's all stripped away. So, as a wrestler, you got to be happy about it. Um, as a fan, you know, obviously, and we know long term that this is bad for the scene. So, from a fan perspective, there's really no. Re- this does nothing. There is no benefit here for fans. Not, not yet. Fans, fans in Europe, and I think fans in all across the world. When we get to some of these other caveats as well here in a little bit, so uh, talent will be allowed to finish their remaining bookings, which uh, is is pretty customary for WWE. They usually allow, even when they sign guys, they allow you to kind of finish your bookings. They've always been good for that historically. Uh, but we'll be unable to wrestle talent under contract to Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, New Japan, and World of Sports. So if you have a booking for the rest of the year, but it's against somebody that's in one of those four companies, you can't do it anymore. You can bo- you can f- fill the rest of your bookings. It just can't be against a guy from Ring of honor impact new japan or world of sports so again yeah there's some there's some ripple effects with that but i I, again i don't think that's that big of a deal and we're you know we're at the end of november right now so we're talking one month there's probably some companies that are gonna get screwed or have to rework some things or whatever but all in all i don't think that's terrible and i think that's they're well in their rights to do that as well so that 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 doesn't bother me too much 
Well, I do think that facet of it's a big deal moving forward. Like you say, yes. like you say, for the shows in December, it's fine. If you have to shuffle some right, opponents you can adjust, around. and Ligero can face somebody else, right. or yeah, what? Yeah, it's not a huge deal. It's not gigantic, but it does have longer range effects in a little bit. So we'll, we'll get to that because I think this is the important part, and this is the part that it, I don't know if we've still quite clarified, but I think is is potentially the biggest thing of this entire deal. But I don't. Again, I'm not exactly positive. So uh, this came from Mike Johnson as well. So he kind of chimed in uh, from Peter Insiders. Mike Johnson. He said uh, the talent can still work for promotions with existing relationships to WWE. So this is that list that we were talking about. We got Progress, WXW, ICW, Fight Club Pro, Attack Pro Wrestling, Over the Top OTT, and Future Shock. So we'll just start, we'll stop right there and then we'll kind of get to the, the, the second part of that as well. That's a hell of a list, as you said. That is essentially, if you are a, a fan of European wrestling from the outside looking in, other than, as you said, Rev Pro and Defiant and maybe just a few other scan others, that's it. I mean, that that from what I watch, I watch Progress, I watch WXW, and from time to time I've watched OTT and, and, and a little bit of Fight Club Pro or whatever, and, and a little bit of ICW as well. But that that's it. I mean, that basically covers the spectrum to most fans of, of all they need in Europe. If they, if they just said, if every other company closed in Europe and these were the only, only remaining companies, you'd be fine. You'd be sufficient with just these companies. So that's where you said the list is is good. It's not like, oh, you can only work in progress and, and WXW. That would that would stink. That would be really constricting. This is not that bad. There are a lot of numbers uh, and a lot of companies here. So so that list, you know, you're, you're, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. Uh, any thoughts on, on that list and sort of what that means for the big picture? Yeah, but, you know, it's like, that's a deeper list than I thought. OTT was the one a lot of people were worried about. Yeah. And I think Jordan Devlin put out a tweet sort of calming people down by saying that he would be working OTT moving forward. But it's that next little caveat that Mike Johnson brought up that I think you were going there next anyway. Yes. Now, this is this is huge because I think this is one that I don't hear a lot of people talking about, but could be the biggest part of this entire thing is that the talent, they can, of course, still work with these existing promotions or these promotions that have relationships with WWE uh, to work dark matches for those groups. And those cannot be streamed or taped. And he has a little caveat here. This was the same restriction that Evolve had to work with uh, for NXT talent, but that was recently lifted. And now Evolve can stream matches involving WWE contracted talent. So you can work for Fight Club Pro. But you can't tape it, and you can't stream it. Yeah, you can do this for WXW, but you can't tape it, you can't stream it. That's huge. That's gigantic. And I don't I don't know if Mike has it wrong, because I, I think a lot of people are kind of questioning that, of going, no, that can't be, that can't be. Joe, if that is, I mean, that that's the biggest story of this entire thing, isn't it? Yeah, because I don't even know how progress can operate. Right. These guys, Progress is done, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, it, it, I, That caveat to me is essentially... Just give up and join the network. You know what I mean? Just give up and give us your stuff and, and, and get on the network. Because if you can't stream, you can you can use all these guys. And we're going to go over the list of wrestlers here in a little bit. But some of these companies, particularly like you said, a Progress or even like an ICW or whatever, uh, Progress 100%. I mean, half of their roster is on this list of talent, which is fine. That's good and well and good. But if they can't stream it, I mean, what the hell is Progress going to air anymore if, if if this caveat is to be believed? So that this this is the biggest thing because, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss of like, you know what? What what is in it for a, a progress? If that is the case, if you cannot stream and, and tape it anymore, you essentially have to give up and just join the network at that point, right? There's still a lot of uncertainty with this because there's different people reporting different things. Meltzer reported that he talked to an Impact wrestler that says he do, he had no restriction and he could work with the WWE contracted talent um, on one of these shows. So so I don't know. And here's the other thing: Progress has used people like Dakota Kai 
and Cassius Ono. And those matches are on their streaming service. So I don't know why that all of a sudden would change for them, especially when WWE is now allowing Evolve to to air those matches and, and, and sell their product using their talent. Why would you give those permissions to Evolve and then take them away from everybody else when they had them already? So I think we're still in the stage of the story where different outlets are grabbing different pieces of information from different sources. And much like when all of this broke originally years ago when, you know, with the $20,000 contracts, I do feel like this story is shifting and changing before our eyes. And I think we're not going to truly know where everything stands until we go through one cycle of shows with each one of these companies. I could easily see that being something that Mike Johnson it was either erroneously told by a poor source or something that may have changed and maybe this is all in flux. Or he interpreted something yes. differently than what somebody said about, you know, yeah, it, it's it, cuz that that caveat to me is is one of the cuz that changes the entire game then. Cuz then if I'm a progress, I'm a WXW, if I'm all these other companies, I go, well, "What the hell then? Well, what the hell's the fucking point for us?" Like, you might as well just sign these guys then at that point. Like, don't even let us use them anymore. You know, yeah, we'll get some live event tickets, but I mean, especially, I mean, a lot of these ones have been, you know, front runners of in in terms of streaming services. Like you said progress is is a, mo- a majority of their business or a lot of their business is, is based off that streaming service. WXW does a tremendous job with, with, with streaming. All these ones do a pretty good job. OTT is, is great about it as well. So if now you say, hey, you can use these guys, but you can't actually air anything with these guys, then that just kind of kills the deal for, for me as a promotion. Other than, yeah, if you say, hey, or, or you can join the network and then we won't care and then you can do whatever you want. I, I, it, it, if that is to be true, that has to be the play by WWE is just saying, hey, look, we need content. We want additional, you know, tentacles in, in Europe on the network or whatever. So if you want to air this stuff, then you have to basically become part of our network or whatever. And that's, you know, in, in one way would probably be a decent move for some of these companies. But yeah, if, if the idea is that we're going to still be separate and progress is still going to sell progress on demand or whatever, but that they can't stream these guys, then that's a killer. I mean, that is a real big killer. So I don't know. I, I I would love to know an official word on that. We might not know until the first show or the first batch of shows come out and, you know, half the show is in dark matches or whatnot. And then we'll say, okay, maybe that was a real thing. But as you said, the, the fact that they lifted it for Evolve makes it seem kind of strange. But I, I don't I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really left wondering about that final thing because that is such a big deal. And if I was a company, I would just say, well, then fucking just sign these guys then if I'm them. You know, just there's no point in letting us use a Pete Dunne if we can never show Pete Dunne on any of our streaming well, networks. Well, I mean, whatnot, in theory, so. I mean, to draw the live crowd. But you got to remember two years ago too. Remember when it all first went down, there was this same state of panic and there was talent pulled from shows and there was this whole string of uh, indie promotions saying, Pete Dunne will be here, but... Only for the live crowd. Do you remember all of that? Mm-hmm. And yeah, then yeah, all yeah, of a yeah, sudden, of pretty quickly, after the first month or two, it kind of settled in and everything became relaxed and right back to business as usual. So maybe this is WWE sort of tightening that belt again and getting strict on it. But I, I, I would, just based on history and what we saw two years ago, I would say let's see a couple of each of these companies go through a cycle or two of shows and see where everything settles. I mean, there's the whole Fight Club Pro thing too, which of course is is Trent Seven's deal. And they're on this, you know, list, but at the same time, they're running that show in Tokyo and 
you know, Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne, Jordan Devlin, and Travis Banks were pulled from the show. Well, those are all of the WWE guys. So there's inconsistencies there, too, with the reporting, okay? In some cases, by the same reporter. You know, so it's like we're seeing Fight Club Pro, via their actions, don't seem to be included on this exempt list, yet people are reporting that they are exempt and the wrestlers can work the shows and all of that. Now, is that because this Tokyo Dome show, uh, not Tokyo Dome, Fight Club Pro is not running the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> um, on 1-7 too, that's bold. Very yeah. bold from old Trent Seven, but he's a, he's a man of uh, large stature and, and gigantic balls apparently. So yeah, Tokyo Dome show for Fight Club Pro on 1-7. So, you know, no one's talking about that. You know, a few days after, t- yeah, that, that would be, you know, do it. Somebody fucking have the balls to do it. Be a bold move. Week, you know? Be a very bold move. Um, <laughs> very bold. But, but this could be because this Cork and Hall show, again, there's another there. layer to this. It could be because it's being taped or, you know, put on some kind of pivot share service or whatever the case. And maybe they figured out, oh, well, if we can't air those matches, then we're just, we're just not going to work the shit. So there's a lot right. of different... and that's yeah, yeah, and, and like that's exactly that. That's the example I was going to bring up, and that's why I, I put it in our notes here is because to me that them pulling all those guys leads me to believe that they cannot tape it and cannot stream it because why the hell would you not try to say, hey, we did this show in, in, in Tokyo. It was awesome and we had a pretty cool crowd at, at Cork and Hall or whatever. Now buy it on our streaming network because that is what you're really trying to do. That's who you're trying to appeal to is the fans of Europe, the fans across the world, not the fans in Cork and Hall. You maybe have presumably sold those. I forget what's going on with the, the ticket sales of that or whatnot, but you're done with that. You're not worried about the live event aspect as much. You're worried more about the streaming and, and, and what you can do with that after the fact as well. So to pull all those guys leads me to believe that they – think or Trent Seven thinks or Fight Club Pro thinks that they cannot air this anywhere and in that case there's no point in flying five guys over there and, and, and having them run the show or whatever or having them on the show because if you can't stream it and can't tape it and can't publicize it afterwards then there's really no point other than to give the live audience what they you know paid for or what they want or whatever and, and to their point like ah, you know what we'll probably make more money by not having all these guys on the show so it's that's one that really makes me think okay maybe they can't stream this thing but it just seems so weird that they would do that yeah, and you know, I think again too. It's I saw something from uh, my man T Bone. You know, I love me some T Bone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, T Bone had either tweeted out or put out some kind of statement. I'm looking for it now, but I can't find it. But I'm going to paraphrase because the gist of it is what matters. T Bone had said something to the effect of, you know, instead of, you know, and, and and I also saw, you know what, I saw a wild boar say something like this as well. Both of them made similar statements. They both said, you know. And really, these were to promoters more than fans when they put this out there. They were saying, hey, look, instead of listening to rumors and conjecture, contact us because only I know what my contract says. Yeah, so I have the exact tweet here if you want. He says, individual, this is from Tyson T-Bone, your boy, uh, individual circumstances for each individual performer. Instead of just reading the gossip and speculation, if you want to use us, why not just contact us and ask? So that's another little caveat there. So presumably Pete Dunn is different than Wolfgang, who's different than Joe Coffey, who's different than Trent Seven, who's different than Tony. So it might be a thing where, like, you don't know. It's so weird. This whole thing is so strange. But he claims individual circumstances for each individual performer. So just call it, contact us, and then you'll find out what that what, we can do. what that tells me is. And I've been watching NXT UK closely. I obviously review it for subscribers. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Voice of Wrestling. To there you go. Wow. New, new show just went you are up. On t- uh, you are on today, Joe. You I, got the. I told you, you I'm on right. today. I'm on today. <laughs> um, what that tells me too is. Maybe we're all working under the assumption that everyone 
that previously had sort of the promise deal, the $20,000 deal, if it ain't give the full-on deal to everyone, and maybe a guy at T-Bone's level, who he's only appeared twice on the show, and, you know, he lost his one little feud that he had with uh, with Mastiff and all that. Um, maybe guys on the, the mid-card and lower mid-card level, like a T-Bone, didn't get this new deal. So maybe we're just not working under this assumption that, oh my god, there's like 50 different people working NXT UK. If you remove all them from the scene, forget it. Well, maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's only 15 or 20 people who have received these new deals, who they are prioritizing. We don't know. What I've learned over the last 48 hours before I, you know, after I went on my first, you know, rant behind the paywall on last, uh, what was it, Thursday? No, Monday's TV reviews when I did 20 minutes on this topic. What I've learned since then is I think everyone needs to take a deep breath and let this play out. Because we made similar assumptions the first time around two years ago, and a lot of those tight restrictions ended up being softened anyway. And we really need to see who really is restricted in terms of both talent and promotions, um, what those restrictions really are, because there's way too much conflicting information out there. And look, short term, I think everyone needs to calm down. Now, long term, we all know this is disastrous for the scene. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's not. We know history. We know what's going to happen. Rich loves to bump that Meltzer, uh, you know, um, a bit about, you know, what happened to with all American wrestling in the territories. Uh, You love to bump that on Twitter every six months. And it's true. And that's exactly what's happening here uh, long term. But I really don't think that the the UK slash European scene is going to be instantly stripped of you know 70 out of their 90 top wrestlers at the snap of a finger overnight. I do think there are some overreactions going on and some just unclear reporting. So from that perspective, I would say take a step back. Let's see a progress show happen, an OTT show happen. What happens with WXW's next set of shows? See how it's all handled. See who works them, who doesn't work them. What airs, what doesn't air. And then go from there. Yeah, and, and to me, one of the biggest things is, it, and, and I use the Meltzer thing because it, it, it's true, the All-American Wrestling, of hey, we'll, you know, we'll feature your guys to help you out. And then, oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, we're just going to take them now. Thanks, bye. But I, I think a lot of what's going on now and a lot of the, the, the tightening of, of, as you said, it could possibly be just the tightening of the rules. It could just be whatever. Uh, we, we heard that, you know, one of the reports was that the NXT UK live show tapings did not do very well. Like in terms of uh, attendance-wise, they, they weren't doing that great. And there were people just saying that they, hey, oh, I could go see these guys at other shows for cheap or whatever. And I think that's probably part of it as well. They're trying to launch this UK brand and they're and, and they don't want, you know, to have competitors in the market and competitors, especially ones that they have, you know, close relationships with. So it's a way to kind of get around that too. What do you think though? Cause I, I don't hear a lot of people mentioning this as well as I think the most important part of this aspect is they just don't want new Japan ring of honor or whatever the hell the elite guys are possibly doing to get their hands on any of these guys either. So I think it's more of a, you know, it, it, it's partially, you know, let's strengthen our, 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 you know, stability in that scene and let's strengthen, you know, our, our, you know, everything that we're doing in that scene, but it's also, no, we want these guys. No, we're not going to let anybody else take them. Cause right as, as the report of this came out, there was a report in, in, in the observer this week that Dave Meltzer heard that new Japan was trying to expand more to Europe 
And like, you know, I don't think that's a coincidence again. Like it's never, it's very, very, very rarely a coincidence when things happen in WWE. Very often they are done because of uh, responding to a competitor, responding to, to somebody doing something. And I have to believe that possibly the news of the All Elite Wrestling, possibly the news of the New Japan thing, I think those play just as much of a factor in uh, the attendances weren't as good for our UK tapings. Because I don't think they would have really cared what the attendances were for the UK tapings if they knew that they were the only game in the in town and the only people sniffing around that scene as well. So I, I, I think that is a big part of it as well. Do you, do you agree or disagree? I think this is 100% about the elite thing with the Khan family. I think it's a direct um, you know, trickle down from that scenario without question because that's real. Yeah. And, you know, Cody even came out and flat out said it was real now. There's no even hiding behind um, cryptic quotes or, or, or anything. It's just, <laughs> hey, who are some good independent wrestlers that aren't signed? You know, just, just throw them in my mentions. Oh, know, well, I don't even I, tag them. I'm not even talking about <laughs> yeah, that. No. I don't know if you saw, but <laughs> no, he I know. flat out made that statement that, yeah. Yeah, no, he said this. You'll find out in January, but something big, bigger yeah. than you imagine or whatever is, is, is coming. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I don't think that they're worried about World of Sport anymore. They've, they've shown that. As soon as, as soon as they saw that World, World of Sport wasn't a threat, it, it's like they stopped paying attention to that whole scenario. So, you can't convince me that's what it is. Um, and by the way, there's a slew of wrestlers signed to World of Sport. Um, you know, it, you know, your Chris Brooks types, your. I think is Jimmy Havoc signed the World of Sport. I don't even know, but I know. I, I think Jimmy Havoc is still kind of free. He's still kind of free floating. I know Grado is. Um, yeah, Grado's. Let me, fire, let me fire up that World of Sport yeah. list. I think Jimmy Havoc just kind of floats around. I'm not sure. I know for Which a fact he's not WWE, but I don't know if he's a World of Sport right. guy or not. Um, you know, and there's there's a bunch of others. I think Davy Boy Smith Jr. is a World of Sport guy, and and um, but as far as your, your usual UK talent. Um, you know, I think it's the CCK guys and, and, um, you know, there's others, uh, CJ Banks. Yeah. So you got, yeah, yeah. CJ Banks, BT, uh, BT gun, uh, British Bulldog Jr. Doug Williams, Grado, uh, as mentioned, Joe Henry, uh, Joe Henry Henry is in there as well. Uh, Lionheart, uh, Nathan Cruz, Rampage, uh, Shaw Samuels and Will Ospreay as well as in there. So, you know, Joe Henry's an interesting one. He's an interesting one because he's a big ICW guy along with Grado too. I don't know. Actually, Grado finished up with them, I think. Um, so, so that's interesting. And, and, and in addition to being impact guys, so there's so, this is what I mean. There's just so many moving parts to all of this and, <laughs> it's very strange, yeah. and, and, and people being all over, but yeah, I do think I drifted away, uh, from the, from the point, but I do, I think there's a direct response to whatever all ins got cooking and that's right around the corner. And I think that's what we have, um, going on here. And I think that's why they wanted to sort of tighten their lock on, uh, on, on, on some of this talent. I think there's no question about it because, you know, the Khan family, that's real money. That's, you know, you're talking about real players now. You're talking about billionaires. Oh, yeah, that's not wrestling money. That's not wrestler money. Yeah, yeah that's not, you know, Vince McMahon always likes to tout all of his stuff. And, yeah, he's a very rich man at this point now. But this is, it's big time money. It's this billionaire is money. generational yeah. wealth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I do think it's a direct response to that. It always is. I mean, I, we always say that you, you can... You can find a thousand different reasons for why WWE does something, and, and most times it's it's a direct response to something competitors are doing. So anyway, we'll... we'll can I just say something talents. real quick about that, too? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Is, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Is um, when it comes to anything having to do with all lead or the elite or any of that stuff, whatever Nick Jackson says publicly, the opposite is the truth. I've learned that. <laughs> it's, it's true. What did, like, he, what did he say recently? I, I, haven't, I haven't been following what he said, but... Well, it's like... What have I been saying for months? I never bought for a second 
that they're going to WWE, and I still don't. Because uh, there's way too much money still on the table. There's no way they would ever go to WWE without running a second all-in show, whether they had the con thing lined up or not. Because there's right. or a guarantee that they're going to make hundred percent of their shirts and they can design them all or whatever, which is not Correct. going to happen. They're not doing that for. They're not letting those guys come in there and run the show there. It's, that's just not how WWE operates. So, so when you consider now they have the con thing cooking and now they have their own trademark on their T-shirts where they don't have to split anything with New Japan with the Elite thing right. which they own, you just looked at the landscape in 2019 and any sane person would say there's no fucking shot that they're signing and giving all that up, and um. You know, so I, I never believed for a second they were going to WWE. And then every time Nick Jackson like goes on Twitter, he says something that runs completely counter to what's really going on. Like when people ask him about the World Tag League, he goes, why would I want to work that tour? New Japan doesn't pay me enough. But it's it, he's always working. I mean, and then every behind the scenes report you hear is they want to stay with New Japan next year. You, you know what I mean? It's like, and that's one example. But Nick Jackson is always just believe the opposite of whatever the fuck he says. <laughs> and Cody is he now now his tact is a little different. What Cody does is he'll give you crumbs. Cody isn't working and trying to be intentionally deceptive. Nick Jackson likes fucking with fans. I mean, that's just you can tell that he kind of gets off on that. Matt Jackson, not so much. He don't really. He's more mellow. Nick Jackson loves fucking with the marks. Okay? Now Cody, his style, if you want to read into what he says, he doesn't try to drive you in a different direction or, 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 or bullshit you. But what he does is just gives you crumbs. Right. He doesn't want to lie to you, but he doesn't want to tell you the truth. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't want to tell you everything, but he's not going to lie to you. If that makes sense. Like he'll answer your question, but not answer your question. If that makes sense. He'll, 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 yeah. As you said, throw a breadcrumb in there, give you a hint, kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, not lie, but not out and out, you know, tell you what he wants to tell you. Cause you know, he knows more, but he, and he wants to say more, but he just doesn't. So He's like the original, and he probably learned this from his father. He's the original style of wrestler who finally gave in and accepted that the sheets were a real thing that they were going to have to contend with and deal with and learned how to use them to their advantage. Cody feeds you the crumbs that he wants you to have. That's his style. He's like that, gen- that first generation of wrestlers who... We're open with Meltzer and Keller and all those people, but used it to their advantage and gave them what they wanted to give them, what they felt, what they wanted to get out there, what they wanted other people in the industry to know. You know what I mean? That's his style. What would help them? What was advantageous to tell people yes. that would help them in their career or whatever? Yeah. Nick Jackson, I could see if, if like, <laughs> WrestleZone or I'm not, I don't want to pick on individual sites. If one of those kind of sites, like, slipped into Nick Jackson's DMs, He's the kind of guy who would totally give them fucking absolute bullshit information to fuck with him. Whereas Cody would be polite and give them just enough that he thought they deserved or that he wanted out there from that particular outlet. Like, Cody probably gives Dave Meltzer more than he would give you. Or give, or maybe he gives Ryan Satin more than he would give Wade Keller. I don't know what his hierarchy is. You know what I mean? But I feel like that's how he plays the game. Nick Jackson is, whatever he says publicly, from what I've learned, the opposite is always true. 
The complete fucking yeah, opposite I, is always true. I forgot that earlier today he did uh, audio. I think it was for, with Pro Wrestling Sheet or whatever, where he basically said, oh, the, the trademark thing, we're just doing that in case we run future shows or whatever. And it's like, well, you didn't file the trademarks. Like, we know that. It's like public information that you weren't the ones that filed those trademarks. So, you, you know, it's like, well, as you said, it's exactly the opposite. But enough people will run with it and go with it because they don't do the digging. But if you're smart enough and, and, and know that... You know, to, to to take it with a cautious, you know, tone or whatever, and and, and look at the research, you'll 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 know through it. So yeah, it's, Nick it's, Jackson, it's, he's for for all the flack he gets for his working style, which is unfair, but that's not the topic of the day. Nick Jackson is like a true old school worker. I mean, he's the, he's the other, he's also the guy who who had the great quote of, "Don't ever be a mark for the promotion you work for; only be a mark for yourself." You know what I mean? And that's like the old school wrestling mentality, wrestler mentality. That's that Bruiser Brody shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I'm here to fucking make money by any means necessary, however I need to do that, whoever I need to work, whoever I need to fucking lie, cheat, and steal from. That's Nick Jackson in this scenario. You know, and and, and they, they all approach this differently. And Kenny Omega is just fucking nuts. He, 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 <laughs> right, like, he'll just show up or something. He's just doing... He, now, look, I think he's very smart. I think he's highly intelligent. And I don't... And I think Kenny Omega makes smart, calculated moves. And, and in conjunction with the rest of those dudes. And I don't see Kenny Omega... I think he's careful. And I don't see him making missteps without a lot of thought. Um... But he's he's you know he's another one who's gonna work you. But he's gonna do it in a more psychological way, and in a more pro wrestling way where they they all have their different styles. But yeah, I do think they're putting something together. It's obvious now. It's out there. It's in the open. And I think every I think WWE knows that. Okay, the con money that's real fucking skin in the game. That's not someone who's going to. That's not someone who the elite are just going to burn through their fucking money uh, and treat them like a money mark. And, right. Oh, and, and do you know the background? Not to interrupt you, but you know the background of the one. I don't know if you uh, – Dave talked about this. I talked about it on my Saturday Q&A when people were asking me that the the son, the one that's actually the one that will probably be running this. So not the Jaguars owner, but his son yes. has been an Observer subscriber since he was like 12. So right. this isn't a dude that's just like, yeah, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, wrestling. And, right. and the elite guys are just like, yeah, hey, cool. Give me like $8 million. Cool, thanks. Like this dude knows wrestling. And if he's been reading the Observer and following – he knows the business of wrestling. And he understands a lot of the aspects as well. And he's obviously a smart businessman in a lot of his ways as well. So, yeah, it's not like – I use I, I kept using the term money mark and I had to stop myself because yeah. I don't that there's a I, th- there's a time and a place for that term and I don't know that this guy is that term. He and, is a a wrestling fan that has a shit ton of money. You know what I mean? Like everyone's dream basically is is what this guy is. He's not necessarily the because the, the true money mark is some guy that just writes a check and says whatever. I don't care. Give me a return. Maybe what I, you know? Yeah, I kind of like wrestling or a little bit or the what, guy like, hit the, I, I, the I don't guy know that term the, is right. The guy to hit him, the so. lo- the guy to hit the lottery who did wrestlelicious is a money mark. That's that's what you're that kind of guy. Right, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. But you're saying this is a guy who if he makes the obvious mistakes, it's cuz he didn't comprehend all those observers he's been reading since he was 15 years old. Right. So in theory, he should be a little smarter and we know we know that the elite guys ha- you know are, are 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 from a business perspective are pretty savvy and pretty smart and um you know, with the exception of Cody, they're all self-made. And there's something to be said for that. And and Cody, to some extent, could have easily been Jack Swagger or Ryback. Or, and now he had the advantage of his family name. 
and, and don't discount that for a second. But I don't think that that was an automatic either. I think he hustled and made all the right moves too and took advantage of whatever that advantage was, where some people wouldn't have. I mean, if we thought hard enough, we'd probably come up with a second-gen person who just failed miserably. You know, it, so, you know, Wes Briscoe. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, we... Oh, we're going to get blocked again. <laughs> no, but I mean, honestly, I mean, it's not like your name is no, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, an instant fucking lock for success. So, yeah, this is a guy who... That's pres- a master of the figure for you, asshole. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> right. You. That's right. Yeah, how fucking dare you, Joe. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a great... You know what, though? We're joking. But his name got him in the door in New Japan, and then what happened? Yeah. He I mean, fucking I, fl- fell flat on his face and was never seen again, yeah. So that's what I mean. Your name, it, 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 without question, that stuff helps. But you still have to... It's not, it's not an automatic, by any means. Uh, but anyway, we're kind of drifting from the topic a little. But yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, all of this is related, in my opinion. And I think WWE uh, does um, take all this seriously. And here's the other thing. If you've been following Being the Elite at all, and I don't really watch it, you know, I'll watch it when uh, someone says it's a newsworthy one or whatever, but I don't watch it week to week. I've probably seen three of them in my life. But the whole running theme on that has been this big running fucking joke that they're being courted by WWE and that they're all thinking about going. They wouldn't be hammering over you over the head with that. if they. It's No, that's a, a terrible tactic. Yeah, that's a terrible negotiating tactic. You know. so, so, I mean, so. It's, it's, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, the UK stuff, I do think, uh, relates to that heavily. Yeah. So really quickly, I was just kind of going through Tony Khan. Uh, that, that's I, I wanted to get his name right. His uh, followers. I follow Frankie Kazarian, Cody Rhodes, <laughs> Young Bucks merch. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like he's not really you know spraying the field of all wrestlers there. He's very uh, particular about the re- Marty Scroll. Uh, he also follows. So yeah. uh, there's a theme <laughs> with a lot of these men that he follows. A lot of these wrestlers that he follows. I'll let you kind of put two and two together there. But uh, yeah, this is a uh, this is a thing. Oh, he well, calls the step back. I write for the step back. I better, uh, I better get on to Tony Khan. There you go. Calls, that's where I do over and back podcast. I'm going to slide in those DMs. Hey, hey, get, uh, get him the fun <laughs> the old VOW. Like, I'll take that money. <laughs> right. Hey, listen, I will be co-opted for sure by Tony I, Khan. Like you know. Listen, I don't think all elite Mecca is taken yet. So I'm all about it, man. I, <laughs> yet. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> by the end of the show, it will be taken. So. I I have no morals. Uh, but uh, no. No, like, I would have morals if you were like, hey, I'll give you, like, $100,000. I'd be like, ah, but, like, dude, Tony Khan money? I'll, I have no morals for Tony Khan money. That, for sure. I'll, I'll follow Jim Ross out of nowhere. So, you know. I'll, I'll take the 100000 But, um. <laughs> I, guess, I guess you have less morals. <laughs> listen, I'll take that sack of money. You know, I. Uh, with the dollar listen, sign on it? Yeah, with the. <laughs> we've done it before, Rich. Uh, you know, I'm sure you'll edit that out. Um. <laughs> So what was I, what was I saying? I'm not, I lost I'm not going to. I'm, by the way, I'm not going yeah, to. Yeah, leave so it there. Gonna, Let it hang. Hear that. Yeah, nobody cares. All um, right, uh, Walter, you've heard of him? That's who I was going to get to. Do you I've have any more Walter. points before I get to uh, the Walter? No, no. We're kind of drifting off to sea here anyway, so let's get back on track. We are, yeah, we are. Let's do it. So Walter, this uh, also relates to this NXT UK news. Walter has signed with WWE, but it is a very different deal than the others, or at least presumably what we know for the others as well. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, really quickly, the, the key talent uh, involved in this NXT UK, I, w- I was going to mention that. Uh, Pete Dunne, uh, Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, Tony Storm, Ray Ripley, uh, Eddie Dennis, Dave Mastiff, uh, Jordan Devlin, Zach Gibson, James Drake, El Aguero, uh, Mark Andrews, Joseph Connors, Mark and Joe Coffey, Wolfgang, Travis Banks, and Flash Morgan Webster are the guys that we're listed right now. So no big surprises there. That's kind of the roster that we've seen, and I'm sure those will expand and, and, and get a little bit larger as NXT UK signs and, and whatnot. But so, again, I don't even know I don't even know what that list means. I, I, I really yeah. implore people if, 
to just wait and see and see how it shakes out. Because I, I really don't even know. That could just be someone speculative. Oh, well, these are the top push names on the TV. So, I would, uh, you know, we don't know. Like, like I, 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 you know, we're seeing talent straight up say, look, it's all, it's all individual. We all have different deals. Ask me about my contract if you want to know about my contract. Right. All right. So speaking of a guy that we do have a little bit more insight into his contract, Walter, as I said, signed with WWE, but is a very different deal than the others. They made a deal with him where he can stay in Germany, sign with the WWK brand, uh, and he'll fly into the U.S. on occasion to work big NXT U.S. shows as well. So this is a very fascinating one as well, because obviously for, for people that don't know, Walter is a guy who pretty publicly has been courted by WWE many, many times, and, and he's always kind of turned it down with the idea that he kind of wants to stay in Europe. He wants to stay in Germany. Uh, he's office for WXW. I think he's their head trainer as well. He's always mentioned that that's a big deal to him, that that he's just he's not a guy that wants to go live in Florida and do the NXT Largo loop or whatever. He's a guy that, that has enough stuff going on in Europe and, and enough you know roots there that he wants to stay there. So it is interesting that they kind of reworked this deal a little bit for Walter. What we know now is that he'll be able to, you know, presumably stay doing the stuff with WXW. I don't know that for a fact, but them being one of the partner companies leads me to believe that, that he can at least in, in, in some way still be involved with them. Uh, he signs, you know, and, and he'll be a big part of the, the WWE UK brand, potentially a brand that they do in Germany, and then on occasion fly in for the big NXT US show. So he's a very different one, Joe. What do you make of, of Walter's contract? And, and I guess Walter signing with WWE, uh, you know, ultimately, what are your thoughts on that? Listen, it's like you laid out. I mean, we have been told you know, by by people that know him, that mm-hmm. look, he's not gonna. When the first rumors came around, I was like, he's not gonna sign. He doesn't want to leave Germany. He doesn't want to. Uh, you know, he's. He, he, I even heard that. Hey, look, he's got a girl over there. He's got everything set up. Uh, you know, even stuff outside of wrestling. This is not a guy who has any interest in living in Orlando, Florida, and taking bumps in the padded ring. It's just not him. He doesn't want to do it. It's not gonna happen. So, and it didn't happen. You know, that all ended up being bullshit. What was that, six months ago, a year ago, whatever it was. Um, and, and, you know, that held true. And now, you know, this happens and I'm like, huh. My first thought is they are really, really worried about Khan and the elite. And they are just making sure. I mean, because Walter's a guy who would be, you know, who anyone would like to have under contract and to use on a regular basis. So, and this is someone who I'm sure that people like Gabe Sapolsky are saying, yeah, I've worked with this dude. He's the fucking truth. You know, this is someone that you would like to have and, and all of those things. I mean, everyone, Walter's a worldwide star at this point. So when he signed, I'm thinking, all right, this is, a, again, a direct response to the elite. And I was a little surprised. And I was like, they must have just over, you know, he, they must have backed up the Brinks truck for this man. Well, then I saw everything that you just laid out, well, he gets to stay in Germany, he gets to work with WXW, he's only going to have to fly in for the occasional big show, which, by the way, nothing changes. That's what he does now. He flies in for a big PWG show or Mania Weekend or, you know, or whatnot. So, basically, he gets to live the exact same lifestyle in the exact same place and live the same wrestling lifestyle that he always has, except now he's under WWE contract and will presumably make a little more scratch. So that deal makes all the sense in the world from Walter's perspective to me. Okay, I could see why he would sign it. Okay? Now, what doesn't make sense, except that it's this has to be a direct response to Elite, okay? Since when has WWE ever bent over backwards to meet these kinds of demands to get someone's name on a piece of paper? Okay, all you need to know uh, to back up my point that they're worried about Khan is that they're willing to give a deal out like that because if they could have gotten him for that kind of deal they would have did it a year ago when we were hearing these rumors 
But when he told them originally, look, I don't want to live in Orlando. I don't want to come over. They let that go. Why would they sign him now under those same terms? It's it's clearly a direct response to what what's going to happen at the turn of the year, and just and just uh, getting everybody locked up. That is of as many people locked up as they can of any potential name value to cut off any sources of talent for Khan that they can. That's what this is. Uh, thoughts on Walter obviously leaving the indie scene after having, you know, arguably wrestler of the year level year, an incredible year. And I, I put a tweet out when the news came out that if this is your first time hearing of Walter, you don't know anything about Walter, go out of your way. Go so far out of your way to watch as much as you can uh, of this year because he has been incredible this year. I think he is my, at least my most outstanding wrestler of the year uh, this year. Everything he's done, a, a range of places all across the world against a a number of different opponents and, and different match types and match styles or whatnot. He's just been tremendous this year. So, I, you know, what, what are your, you know, are, are you are you disappointed that he's leaving the scene or, or presumably, you know, whatever that is going to be the next step with him in, in NXT? Like, I, I, what's your kind of traction on, on, on Walter now kind of removed from the scene right now? It was very disappointing when I saw the first report because, you know, from a, from my perspective as a fan, yeah, I mean, the guy's been incredible. He's you know, if if you tell me he's your wrestler of the year, I'm not going to argue with you at all. You know, he may be my pick when it's all said and done. The guy's been incredible. You, you know, if, if there's been anybody better than him this year, it's a very, very short list. It's less than two or three people that have been better than him this year. Um, and, and he does it everywhere. And, and you know, and, and I've seen him live and his aura is even greater live. And it was disappointing. But now that I've seen the terms of this deal, you know, from, from a fan perspective, it's not really all that different. It seems like he's going to work in a lot of the same places that he in Europe that he always has. And he's going to pop over here to work a takeover now and then. I mean, I can't blame the guy for signing it. He got everything he wanted. He's got everything. He didn't have to sacrifice a thing. It's a great deal. I mean, no, it's a great deal for him. Because when the news officially came out, or originally came out, and it was, he signed with NXT, it was kind of like, ah, oh, jeez. Like, yeah. you know, ah, oh, crap. Like, the last thing I want is, like, Walter and the Largo Loop, or or Walter with, you know, his former partner just in, in limbo. It's like, what the fuck? Like, the la- no, hey, just the, la- get- the last thing I want is Walter on the main roster. That sounded that right. that's yeah, what that terrified too. me. Right, right. Yeah, but the idea that like, oh, you could stay in Germany. Yeah, you can work for WXW. Yeah, you can do NXT UK stuff. Like, yeah, you can do potentially our new brand or whatnot. I'm okay with that. Yeah, whatever keeps him away from main roster, whatever keeps him away from the performance center is a okay with me because he doesn't need any of that shit. You know what I mean? Like he can he can be a huge deal on the on, on the NXT UK. He can be a huge deal on whatever they do in Germany. So I'm in. I'm all in on that. So that that. You know, to me, the initial news was like, ah, crap, like, geez, we really lost a good one here. Oh, man. But more and more, it's it's a it's a great deal for him, I think. And and I think all things are going to be pretty good. Like, yeah, we're not going to get the year like we got this year, but there's no telling that we were going to get this year anyway. This is a rare year that we had with Walter. Oh, he yeah, was yeah. so good this year against such a wide range of opponents that this is something that doesn't get followed up. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like he's maybe doing the best thing right now and cashing out as he because uh, not that I think he's like the guy's done or whatever, or that he's going to now not really give a shit or anymore. But to have a year like this, I mean, this is just, it, it, it's so hard to have as good of a year as he's going to have, you know, in 2018. So it, it, it's whatever. Like, I was initially disappointed by it, but hearing the caveats, I'm a little less down on it. I'm a little When bit I more saw the deal, when I saw the deal, it all made sense. And it also it was crystal clear that this is all elite driven. And, you know, and, and again, it's not that bad. It's kind of like very a little similar to what Pete Dunn's last year and a half has been in where, you know, he's working all of those places in, in the UK. And then he just pops in on a takeover or an NXT to work a main event and the matches fucking rule. So from a fan perspective, that's been fine. I mean, you know, it, it's it's the main roster that you have to be fearful of. 
and, or even NXT on a week in week out basis. That's gotten to be a little uh, suspect these days. But you know, it's it's you know Walter on the main roster. Forget it. He's done. He's, you cannot. You go to that main roster right now, and you just it's it's where you you your your appeal goes to die. I have no interest in you on that main roster whatsoever. I don't care who you are. Um, it's been it's been fascinating. You know, we we haven't done a lot of main roster WWE talk as of late. Like the the tenor around it, the talk about it is like. I feel like everybody, if they could, would just collectively ignore it right now. It's so, yeah, it's, so it's such a dumpster fire right now. And there's so much other good stuff that they produce as well, you know, in terms of stuff on NXT, uh, 205 Live, NXT UK, which I've been really enjoying as well. Just like you could, you could just stop watching main roster stuff or just ch- do what I do. I, ch- I come in for the pay-per-views and that's it. Like I got no interest zero interest in watching Drake Maverick piss on a rope or whatever, like whatever the fuck is going on with Raw, but this was like a this was a very interesting Raw in the, in the, in the you know, we, we're always painted as kind of the anti-WWE and the negative WWE which is not true at all because, you know, we, as we said you know, we love NXT, we, we like you know, NXT UK, 205 Live, we rave about a lot as well, uh, you do on your reviews you know, weekly uh, in addition, but the main, like, the actual TV shows, and this is the first week where it just felt like everybody was just like that side. There was nobody that was like, yeah, you know, that show was okay, or, ah, you know what, that wasn't the word. It was like a collective, like, what are we doing? Why are we still watching this? Why is this occurring? What it, it, It's it's taken a while for the walls to get broken down, but man, are they broke. It's just, I don't know if you saw the ratings either, like, SmackDown is pretty close to Raw ratings, which is not, that's never happened, ever. That never, ever, ever happens. It's never, you know, as long as they've been on USA. So that's nuts, too. Like, people are just not watching Raw at all. It's just, it's terrible television. It's horrible television, and SmackDown's Good, you know, SmackDown's fine. It's not great, but Jesus, it's light years better than Raw. What the hell is going on with that? But I don't want to talk main. They've slowly got enough to get to. I mean, they've slowly run off nine million fans. There's no other way to put it. I mean, those, you know, Dave's been Meltzer's been talking about it for years. There's like nine million people who were addicted to wrestling who just have no use for it anymore. That's it's staggering. Rich, if something like the network existed in 1999, how many subscribers would it have compared to today? I mean, could you even imagine something like the network existing oh, yeah, at yeah. that point in time when wrestling was just, you know, forget the Monday Night War. You had ECW pay-per-views, like beating WCW pay-per-views sometimes and ECW drawing, you know, 3,000 fans everywhere they went, up to 5,000 fans for some of their shows, or for whatever their, their peak was, at 4,000 or 5,000 fans, whatever it was. Um, you know, they've, so they've managed to run off like nine or 10 million wrestling. It's just crazy. Um, yeah. And, and, and the main roster is just, it's so awful and, and, and they continue to run people off and yeah, SmackDown should never uh, be inching that close to raw. I mean, it, it, historically it just doesn't. Um, but raw, you know, it's, it's, it's like we've been saying it can't, consistently stay as bad and uninteresting and insulting as it has without eventually seeing that come to pass in the in the form of people just losing interest and hand-waving it. And it's not just people who yell on podcasts now. It's regular casual viewers who are like, I can't fucking do this right now anymore. It's just, it's awful. All right, so that's uh, anything else on Walter before we kind of move on to some of our other topics we're going to get to today? No. 
I think uh, nothing. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's the Walter. Yeah, that's uh, so. Yeah, once we heard the, the 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 details of the deal, it makes it a little bit better. And the NXT UK thing, I was obviously touched on that, and that's kind of moving and and, and shaking as we go. So uh, a few other topics here, and then we'll get to our, our questions and answers. This might be a, a slightly abbreviated show uh, again this week. We'll be hopefully back to full strength uh, by next week. But uh, obviously with the, the holidays and stuff, and and a lack of you know big time shows and big time topics or whatnot, this might be a slightly abbreviated one. We still have those questions and answers, so that should. Uh, obviously do uh, pretty well for the last half but uh don't let everybody know that this episode of the voice wrestling flagship podcast is sponsored once again by grapple and we mentioned grapple a few weeks ago it's a fantastic new wrestling app uh, which is available for free right now on the app store and google play uh the guys at grapple have been delighted delighted joe to see so many voice wrestling listeners download the app uh we talked about them earlier this month and they got a ton of downloads they knew was exclusively from us because we did the ad the next morning they woke up and they got a bunch of other downloads so congratulations to you guys thank you guys for doing that uh so they wanted to thank everybody who downloaded and starting using it uh for anybody who is listening to this and you have not used grapple yet uh it is a platform where you can give ratings to matches that you watch uh grapple has a live feed so you can see what rating all of the users are giving uh and with other social media platforms and and similarly to all other social media platforms i should say uh, you can follow other people so you know what ratings your friends or certain other users, including myself and Joe, uh, are giving. And you can easily do this. You can comment on the ratings as well. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. Joe, I know you've been um, digging into it a little bit. I know you went through BOLA. You've been doing any uh, NXT weekly stuff you're watching. Uh, what have been your thoughts on Grapple so far as you've kind of started to use it and, and, and thumb around with it a little bit? Yeah, I got a million matches rated in there now. So, you know, as you know, Joe Lanza was going phoneless for a while there. It was very freeing to be without a phone for a number of weeks. <laughs> now you're back. You're back with us. Yeah. Could, you know, eventually you have to conform to society, unfortunately. Uh, it becomes impossible to function without the without the thing. But uh, now that I got the phone situation sorted out, uh, yeah, I'm pounding a ton of ratings in there. Yeah, I'll just sit there and I'm watching wrestling anyway, so I'll have the app open and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll throw a star in three quarters on that TV match I just saw. Why not? You know, and uh, you know, it, and, and it's got the little comment section, which uh, hopefully people start using a little bit more, so they can tell you how wrong you are, and they can tell you how accurate I am. So uh, that's what's going on with Grapple. <laughs> Yeah, so you can filter uh, on there. You can easily find the best-rated matches by promotion, by event, by year, by month. Uh, you can take uh, what Grapple users say. Uh, you know, like they thought the Alistair Black Johnny Gargano match from the NXT TakeOver was the best, best match of Survivor Series weekend. Uh, it's got an average of 4.47 right now. Uh, Okada and Omega from Dominion is leading the way for match of the year in 2018. That's got a 4.95 average right now, so it's on the five-star scale there, so you can get upset and ups, uh, you know angry about the five stars again, uh, as you always do. So anyway, uh, it's not just about rating matches, though, uh, from today, which I think is the interesting part about it as well. It's about finding and rewatching the gems from years gone by. Uh, if you see a match getting good ratings, you can hit the watch list button and it automatically adds it to a list, a uh, personalized list uh, of, of matches. So that's always a cool thing as well. Uh, so you've got an ongoing record of matches you want to watch or rewatch. And as I said, they go throughout history as well. Grapple has nearly 28,000 matches, Joe covering WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, Progress, Impact, PWG, Lucha Underground, and Evolve. These are continuously being added and backdated, and there are plans to add even more promotions in 2019 as it grows in users, and that is the important part right there. They will add these different features if more people download it. Uh, so in less than a month, Grapple has hit nearly 1,000 downloads, but we want to we want voice the rest of the listeners to break that even more. Uh, so keep Grapple growing. So go onto the App Store, Google Play, and search Grapple. That's G-R-A-P-P-L. There's no E at the end. That's G-R-A-P-P-L and download for free right now app store or google play download grapple g-r-a-p-p-l get on there start rating follow joe and i do all the good stuff 
Uh, and also, for information and updates about Grapple, you can follow them on Twitter at Grapple App. And that's G R A P P L App A P P on Twitter. You can follow them for all the updates. But uh, yeah, they've been. Um, very receptive to stuff as well. I think that's the, the important part I want to say about about them is that anytime anyone said, hey, can you guys do this? Or, hey, it should do this. Like, they want that information. That's why they want these people downloading this app. They, that's why they reached out to us because they know that our listeners are, are very opinionated and very, you know, strong-willed and strong-thoughted about wrestling. So they want people to go on there and say, hey, this doesn't work or I want this or this. So don't feel weird or don't feel like you shouldn't be, you know, they want the feedback. They're, they're learning as we're learning and they're learning as you're learning and stuff. So, yeah, definitely go on to, uh, to Grapple. Um, uh, mess around with a little bit. If you have any issues, any questions, anything that you'd like to see them add on Twitter, Grapple app uh, is a good time to do that. But yeah, again, on the App Store, Google Play, uh, search for Grapple. And then, of course, follow Joe and I, uh, particularly Joe, because he is an accurate star raider. So um, uh, you Monday on your your Patreon, the, the Money TV Reviews, you discussed a little bit about the restocking of the indies. And, and you were, were alluding a little bit more to the U.S. indies because we've heard this rumor in, in, in January. It's not even a rumor. It's, it's going to happen. In January, there's a, a lot of people that are going to be signed, a lot of names that are already kind of out there and floating around. And if you do your your, your work and your research, you'll kind of know some of these names and, and, and realize some of the names are getting scooped up and, and moving on or whatnot. Uh, and it applies now this week because the U.K. news as well, that like a lot of those dudes are now going to be gone and, and, and sort of your mid-range indies, as you said, are going to have to figure out the next steps because they're not going to be able to add a Pete Dunne and, and, and pop a number or whatnot. They're not going to be able to add a, you know, a Trent Seven and Pete Dunne, a British Strong Style, and then you know, d- be able to uh, you know, do some good stuff. So yeah, there, there's there's a lot of moving parts both in the U.S. and the U.K. indies, and I thought you obviously should go listen to that if you have not uh, already on your Monday TV review because I think you did a, a really good job of breaking down and really taking to task a lot of indie promoters because we are now left, and in, in January we're going to be left again with a... a a glut of, of of talent. Like there is, people are being signed left and right. You look at your favorite companies, the big time, you know, independent companies. A lot of them are going to be just really strapped for for talent. And I don't disagree with you that that that's largely on the U.S. Indies as well. Do you want to kind of recap for people that maybe did not hear that? And like I said, you should go back and, and and listen if you get a chance. But for people that did not listen, can you uh, kind of let people know what 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 the you know kind of the the, the the basic idea, the basic, you know, what you were trying to get across with, with your little mini rant there at the beginning of the Monday TV review. I just see a lot of doom and gloom, and it's not just coming from fans. Look, fans are going to be fans, and fans are going to be emotional. I get it. That's fine. Um, you know, in, in all scenarios, good and bad, fans are going to be emotional. and that, that, That's okay. Fans can, can do whatever they want. But I, I think that the doom and gloom I see from the promoters – and, you know, that that's the kind of thing that bothers me because they saw this coming. I mean, Rich, we've known since late 2015 that this was coming. And that's a lot of time to prepare and change your strategy. And I swear this is no pun intended, evolve and, and, and switch and change up what you're doing to the changing circumstances of WWE just skimming off the top at every turn. and. And this isn't new. And I feel like we've spent two to three years whining about it and not doing anything about it. And I really don't like the defeatist attitude of, well, that's it. There's nobody left. So it's over. Let's just wipe our hands and clean. And I don't buy that. And I did relay an anecdote on that paywall show that a very prominent independent promoter uh, one of the most prominent, um, you know, flat out said to us in a private conversation that there is nobody left 
and I, I, I strongly disagree with that. Um, if you yeah, want to tell me that it's, it's not, it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just, you know what I mean? It's impossible. Well, if you want to tell me there's no stars, current stars left, I mean, I can kind of see your point. I still kind of disagree. I still think there's people out there, um, that are kind of underutilized. I mean, I think more could be done with people like DJ Z and I mean, there's others, but that's not the point of this. Uh, I don't want to sit here and get granular and argue about who, who's a potential star and who's not. I don't care about that. Uh, in terms of this conversation. But I, th- the thing about it is the stars that are going to report in January and the stars that got signed on the previous wave and the stars that got signed on the previous wave to that, where we all sat around with our thumbs up our asses. And when I say we, uh, you know, promoters, fans, and the promoters primarily who, who didn't bother creating the next generation, um, you know, th- th- all of those people at some point were no names, didn't have a name, didn't have star power, didn't have any drawing power, weren't established on the scene. So, you know, it's like, there are stars out there, they just haven't been made yet. I I don't want to hear this bullshit that, "Ah, well, there's just no one left, now what do we do? Well, you had three years to do something. And what did most of these promoters do? They, you know, watched their main eventers get signed, and they used what was left and watched them get signed and used what was left. And now we're there watching them get signed. And they didn't build anything underneath. And you know, I'll pick on Gabe Sapolsky here because we had him on a couple weeks ago and he basically admitted it anyway. It's like he ran out of stars and just fucking folded the tent and, and took a different path. And I don't even disagree with the path he took. I don't. I think it was smart. And I know a lot of people just want a dog pile and but from a business perspective I would have done the same damn thing. I mean it's just a smart business decision. Um but you know that's not being emotional about it. That's just being uh, it's being logical and reasonable about it. Um but it's like you know it's a, he had the option of throwing his hands in the air and saying, "Ah, well fuck it. I'm not going to build the next week." Cuz he had that fallback option. These other promoters didn't. You know, your AAWs and your AIWs and your, you know, you, you, you name whatever promotion is in your town, okay? They've had three years to prepare for this, and in my opinion, the independent scene as a whole did not adequately prepare for what everyone knew was coming. You can go back to late 2015 and definitely 2016 to where everyone knew that this was going to be the future and what was done about it. Now, let me give some credit where credit is due. Game Changer did a phenomenal job with Joey Janela, and to a lesser extent, Nick Gage. So it's not as if no one's doing anything. Joey Janela, Rich, and you'll freely admit, several years ago, you didn't get it with the guy. You didn't think that guy was anything. No. Because, and, he, and he wasn't a star. Trash. Yeah, I thought he was, he was terrible. A, yeah. He was a guy who would occasionally get booked outside of New Jersey. He'd come to AAW. You'd be less than impressed. He'd work a prelim. Game Changer handled Joey Janela and created a star to perfection. They focused on everything that he's good at and, and, and would help him excel and help him become a star. They handled that. You cannot create a star on the indie scene a f- better, more efficiently, and without a greater success than what Game Changer did with Joey Janela, and to a lesser extent with Nick Gage. I'll give credit to someone else. And, I, and, and we often say that PWG is an all-star game. They are a different 
breed, and they have the advantage of, since they're the top of the fucking mountain, since they're the top of the pyramid in the indie game, they can let everybody else make the stars and then just fly them in 10 times a year and make money hand over fist because they sell a billion DVDs and sell out that whatever building they run in 30 seconds, okay? And all of that is true. But give them credit. They identified a potential star and have done a phenomenal job pushing and getting that potential star over with Bandito. They did something about it. They didn't sit on their ass and complain, they're signing everybody. No, they identified someone. Rich, could anyone else have done the same with Bandito? What was stopping anybody else from from bringing that guy in and pushing him to the moon? And And it's worked out. I just watched Bola. He didn't win it. But every match he was in, including the final and including the tag matches he was in, were designed to help get him over further. Including oh, he's the most the over final. guy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm about halfway through. I'm about halfway through Bolo right now, and he's the most over guy so far. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, there's fucking there's shows named after him. Smokey and the Bandino is their yeah. next, you know, show that they're releasing on DVD right now. I mean, he's they've made him a star in, in, in that company. They have done a phenomenal job making Bandito. They identified someone and pushed them to the fucking moon, and they had success. So there are success stories out there. There's not nearly enough PWG Bandito stories. There's not nearly enough Game Changer Joey Janela stories. Nobody else has done anything. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the complaints that they're signing everybody. Because, Rich, this didn't happen last week. They've had since 2016. I'll be generous, but we knew before then. We've had since 2016 the plan for this. You can't keep doing shit the same way when the landscape completely changes. Rich, I don't know what you do for a living. Well, I do. Well, that's, I know what you do for a living, but I'm making a point here. Rich, right, I don't know what you do for a living. <laughs> but if when the landscape changes in my business, if I don't change with it, I'm going to get fired. Because my business is all about making money. And if I don't change with the times and figure out how to keep making money, I'm not going to have a job anymore. I will cease to exist. The businesses I oversee will cease to exist. And the landscape is always changing. What I see is a bunch of indie promoters who knew the landscape was changing. They had the advantage of knowing it was coming and did nothing about it. And with that said, I'm not suggesting it's easy. This has made it exponentially harder to, 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 to make start because you have to keep making them because as soon as you make a star they get scooped away but you know this is how it works now so when yeah, you have fight. that you gotta grind it's a grind and a fight and and we heard straight up gabe was sick of doing the grind in the fight which yes. i get you know he's done it for years and years and years and years but it's a grind and it's a fight and if you want to survive that's what you got to do and that's how he survived but he, he had chip- too. i've been doing this thing for 15 years you know what i mean that's that's but he had chips to cash out and i don't blame right. him for cashing them out these other promoters do not have those chips to cash out. Okay, Progress has those chips to get. But we're talking about U.S. now. Okay, uh, Thorne in Cleveland doesn't have those chips to cash out. Uh, Danny Daniels doesn't have those chips to cash out. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Drew Cordero doesn't have those chips to cash out. Okay, and and look, everyone you attend. Look, some 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 of the you try to push people. Sometimes they're going to fall on their face. Sometimes it's going to work out. But that's the entertainment business, and that's wrestling business. And I'm not suggesting you could just snap your finger and make stars. But in my opinion, 
in my opinion, I didn't see a concerted enough effort to deal with the changing landscape, to adjust and evolve, again, no pun intended, to the changing landscape. I didn't see it, Rich. I, I, now, to be fair, I gave examples where I think promotions did a nice job. Okay? And it's like, and I used AAW as one of my examples on the paywall because I know that they can take it. There's good guys over there. They, they understand that I'm not picking on them. I know you're the one that's got to go deal with them, so that makes it a little easier too. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, you jerk. But no, they know, they know, they know, they know the score. You know, you know they're not going to be. We could be critical, and, and they don't get mad at us. You know, and it's like, I just don't see it. I see them just sticking all this time with ACH on top, who was one of the last guys remaining. But then when he's gone, then what? You know what I mean? And and I saw someone make a great point on our message board. And then you know, you know, his time is winding down. And who does he go to a sixty-minute draw with? Another guy who's signing. I mean, I get it. You throw them a bone because they've been loyal to you and, and it's a great match. It gets attention. It might sell some fucking subscription. I get all that. But why isn't ACH having that 60-minute draw with Jake something? Or if you don't like him, pick someone else. Matt Fitchett. I don't care who you pick. Try. Myron Reed. Yeah, anybody. Myron yeah, Reed, another perfect one. I love that guy. I've even said on the air, I think he's a future indie star. And here's the other thing. We don't know which one of those guys. Maybe some of those guys have, are part of the January class. I don't know. The point is the promoters know. They know who, who they don't have dates on anymore. Pick someone and get behind them. Okay? I can give you a half a dozen names that I think if you put them on your show tomorrow and gave them a fucking mic and just gave them a chance, they'd surprise the shit out of you and get over. I'll give you their phone numbers. But what, why? I'm not a promoter. You should be. They should be doing this work. They should be giving someone else a chance. You had all this time to build someone underneath. And again, I'm going to pick on AAW because we talk about them a lot and we follow it a little bit closer. But you had all this time to replace ACH or get someone ready to step in. Okay, and it, it, it's like you, you know, it's you can't rely on on Phoenix and Pentagon for the till the end of time. That's eventually going to have diminishing returns. And a lot of these places, you know, it, it's, they knew this was coming. I can cut them a break if this happened last week. This isn't new information. And when, you're, and when you pick those people to get behind and give a shot, you should have be planning who is coming after them now. Because you have right, to because ch- now, now eyes are on those guys. Now eyes on – you've decided to, to, to have Myron Reed beat ACH in a 60-minute match or go to a 60-minute draw or whatever. Well, now you've got to be thinking, all right, well, in six months, someone's going to probably scoop up Myron Reed, so let's worry about the next guy. Like, who's, who's, who's now after Myron Reed, you know, in, the, in this hypothetical situation? It's always got to be that next step up, next level up. Yeah, and, 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 and now everyone's probably saying, well, yeah, well, who? Well, I don't know. But go do the work and find out. I mean, a good, a good point that I made that I thought was a good point anyway, you may dispute it because you're closer to the scene. A point I made on the, on the pay show was I related this to Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali was in Chicago, which is an indie hotbed. And basically one promotion was booking Mustafa Ali. How the fuck does that happen? How does right. that happen? There's probably politics involved, but you get the idea here. How does Mustafa Ali, if you remember, Rich, he didn't really start going to places like AAW and Wrestle Circus, which is outside of Chicago, so don't throw politics at me, uh, until we knew he was getting signed. Then everyone jumped on the Muhammad Ali bandwagon at the tail end. How does a guy like that not only slip through the cracks, but slip through the cracks in Chicago, of all places, where there's 19 promotions running every weekend? 
So my point here is you can't tell me that there's not more Mustafa Ali's all over the fucking country who these promoters aren't paying attention to or doing their homework or doing the work to find because they're busy booking whatever's left of the previous generation of stars. I don't buy it. Rich, I don't buy it. I don't buy the argument that there's nobody left. It's your job to make somebody. And you should have been doing it over the last three years. And, and again, I can give you a list of a, a half a dozen people off the top of my head who are underused and underserved indie talents who I think, if given a chance, could potentially become stars. You can't yeah. tell me it's And empty. I can do a similar list as well. And I think, you know, and we're not even guys that are as super connected to that scene as well. There's your hardcore Powerbomb TV watches that could probably give you 100 guys that they think are, yeah. are guys that are floating around in, in the Midwest and in the West and in the East or whatever, just sitting there, you know, doing their little indies in front of 50 people that could, if you just gave a shot to, could, could be that. Yeah, and a guy that you brought up, which I thought was a perfect example, was a guy like a Marco Stunt. I mean, he was doing shit in this scene for years, like just in IWA Mid-South and Zero One USA or whatnot. I saw him, I think, once or twice, and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And all it took was just a little bit more. He gets booked for the SCI, the Scenic City Invitational. Then Janela gets him, and now he's fucking everywhere. I one weekend I saw him wrestle four times. Like you know what I mean? Like, and now he's ready to go. And he's 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 a made man at that point. And and obviously he's got his injury now, so he's going to be down a little bit. But it's like it. All it takes is like just somebody taking a chance on a guy. All it took was was, was Janela and Game Changer or SCI or, or whoever, just a few companies to say, yeah, this Marcus Stunt guy, let's try him out. And and it works. Like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And then you kind of go back to the drawing board. I get it, but yeah, it, it it's there are there the pool is never empty. And that's the thing that we've kind of it's been that doom and gloom and oh my god and oh here come the boogeyman again to sign everybody. And yeah, that that's a thing. And yeah, they're signing everybody. We we know they're signing everybody. We know that was going to happen. So now what's the next step? Let's let's again. Like I think you you said it perfect. It's not about you know worrying about you know, what happened or what's going to happen. It's about, okay, what, what, what's our next step? This is going to happen. So let's figure it out. Let's, let's go, you know, let, let, let's, let's rise above this. Let's figure it out the next step and let's, let's make this thing work. And it's, it's a lot of people. And, and, and again, you're, 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 you're mentioning AEW as, as one company, but there are many others that are just kind of throwing their hands up in there and going, ah, whatever. Yeah. These guys are gone. Well, we'll have some matches with them and then they leave and then we'll, we'll figure it out after that. It's just like, you know, no, you can't, as you said, rely on other people to make stars. Now it's, it's these regional companies are going to have to go out there and, 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 and grab from the region and build from the region and, and do stuff like that and build local stars. And that's, you know, it's going to be tough and it's going to be different for a lot of these companies, but it's, it's how it's going to be. And like you said, the problem is that they're going to get scooped up again, but that's the new reality. I mean, if you don't, if, if this, if this reality isn't what you want, then I don't know that wrestling is going to be for you. Cause this is what's going to continue to happen. WWE is going to be this way. They're going to remain aggressive in this, in, in this atmosphere. So I, yeah, but you're, you're absolutely right. Mustafa Ali is a great example of a guy and, and, and I can give you 10 guys in Chicago that are floating around that, that could potentially work for any number of, uh, of companies in this area and, and, and do well for them. And I know, you know, guys in Texas and, and, and I know other people know people in, in every state that you live in, there's a few guys that you say, Hey, if you give the guy a chance, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll surprise you. He, hell, he might even be on the undercard of a show that you're watching right now. And, and, and if he got a chance, but yeah, it is. It's definitely strange how the guard has kind of changed a little bit where you have an example like, and, and we'll come out right there and say it, but, you know, AEW this weekend, again, we're picking on them because we know they can take it, but, you know, this weekend they had Trevor Lee and ACH go to 60-minute draw in the main event or whatever, which is, is well and good, and it was an awesome match, as you said, and it got streaming and all that sort of stuff, but is that really advantageous to their company? Yeah, it's good to kind of give these guys their gold watch on the way out because they'll all the work they've done, but, you know, why is your, lo- you don't have to have loyalty to these guys, like, it, it kind of sucks, and but it's a cutthroat business. These guys don't have any loyalty to you, you have no loyalty to them, so, you know what, use AC 
ACH, utilize ACH leaving. And that's one thing that Gabe was always good about. You could you knew when a Gabe guy was about to get signed because he'd start losing to young guys. He would start kind of working his way down the card or whatever. And we love that because it always was good about building up the next level. Well, Gabe kind of stopped doing that. And it seems like everybody's kind of just stopped doing that for whatever reason. It's just that's not a common practice in wrestling anymore when that's the best way to get a guy over. Like we said, if you put Myron Reed in that situation, he's a made man after that day or whatever. You, you know, but but companies just book shit you know what i mean they just book matches to be good and then they kind of move on and then they kind of work about worry about the next thing but i think your big worry is that that next thing is not coming in in a night nicely wrapped package anymore like no. now that that the packages are, are done the the talent is still out there it just needs to get wrapped up and and, and delivered but nobody you're, you're sitting there waiting at your door and, and, and waiting for the doorbell for oh hey here's five guys that are great now and then you can make your main eventers those guys are probably not coming you got to build those guys you got to make those guys you can't wait for someone to ring your your doorbell and, and deliver them to you it's 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 gonna take a lot of work and and we'll see who's who's got it and who's gonna do it and it takes time to get people over which is why this should have started a long time ago okay yeah. it, 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 it you know you can't just it, it takes work and it takes time and i think you nailed another good point i think a lot of these indie companies and there's a point that adam lash has made a lot and no one studies indie wrestling more than that guy and this is a point that he's made a lot in that these promoters got lazy and they all just relied on booking the super match, you know, they, they've stopped telling stories and, uh, or, or doing a lot less of that. These, and now as bookers, these guys, I'm not, sh- I am not confident that a lot of these indie bookers know how to make a star. I know how, I know that they know how to take two stars and put them on the top of a poster. I know they know how to do that. I know they know how to book Phoenix and Pentagon and know that you know, right off the gate, they're going to draw X amount of fans just having those two guys. I know they know how to do that. Am I confident that these guys know how to how to book and build a star? I'm not confident at all. Okay? I, I've seen, you know, I gave a couple examples at the top of places that have done a nice job. Defy's another one with Randy Myers. They've done a nice job, but he doesn't seem to be able to get out of that region. There's little examples here or there. But I mean, it, 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 but it takes time to get guys over. With that said, you can also have your overnight successes like Marco Stunt and Darby Allen. Are you telling me there's no more Marco Stunts or Darby Allens anywhere? That's bullshit. I, I'm so tired of hearing about every, there, there is nobody. You're not looking hard enough. You're not looking hard enough. Rich, you and I go to indie shows. I'm, no matter what the level. You, you, I know you're the same as me. Like, you can identify guys where you're like, oh, that guy in a couple years, if he sticks with it and the right people see him, every, you can go to the lowest level indie show and find a talent or two where you're like, well, he just needs to work here or this person needs to see him or here's what I would advise this guy. There's, there's diamonds in the rough and there's talent everywhere. And it's not, and you don't even have to dig super, super deep. Like I said, I... I know of some wrestlers right now that just need the fucking, they just need the, 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 the opportunity. They need to be put on the, big sta- the, the biggest stage and given a chance. And they're ready. They're close to being finished products. Shit, they've been looked at by WWE. You know, and, 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 and gone through the trial process. So you know that they're right there and on the cusp. They're, the talent's out there. I... I just I that that I'm so tired of hearing about that because people are only looking surface level. We should have been making those stars all along, and and now yeah. we've waited too long, and we're too complacent because there were still people we could book. We could still rely on the lucha guys, 
And I'm not saying don't book the Lucha guys. Of course, book the Lucha guys. And look what right, MLW and, and that's is what doing we've with seen. Lucha. And that, yeah, and that's been the like if you if you kind of been tracking history over the last few months, that's been that's the new market inefficiency right now is Lucha guys. Yes. Like nobody was booking these guys. So now uh, LA Park and a Puma King and a Bandito, as you mentioned, like these guys are getting booked everywhere. That's the new you know inefficiency is oh let's go to Mexico and pluck their guys and and book those guys or whatnot, which is smart to do right now. But again, there's going to be a time and a place where you're going to have to move on from that as well. But yeah, right now. That that is kind of the new little shiny you know toy is is the the underdeveloped lucha scene or these lucha stars or whatever bringing them up or whatnot. So which makes it interesting and makes it fun or whatever. But yeah, that's that's going to quickly kind of dry out here in a little bit. How how many indie promoters unclenched their buttholes when Phoenix and Pentagon signed with MLW instead of WWE? What would this scene look like if they had? Oh Jesus, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mentioned that as well, and I was like, oh, no. I mean, what a terrible. break that everybody caught with that one. Now, be smart about it. You've booked Pentagon 30 times, okay? Have somebody beat him now. Have him in a long feud with a young wrestler, and have that young wrestler come out on top and see what happens. Clean in the fucking middle. I mean, you know, it, it just come on now. So, I, I don't know. I, I think... I think um, I don't want to hear it from these promoters. I don't want to hear that your job has gotten harder. That you know, that's that's the real world. I mean, you gotta adjust and change and adapt with the with the with the with with what's changing around you. I mean, that's just you know. Uh, I'm sorry you can't just throw together your super matches anyway. I, you know that tough shit. Adjust. You should have adjusted three years ago. We all saw it coming. Rich, we've been screaming about it for three years. Everybody's been screaming about it for three yep. years. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see kind of what the next step is. January will be the big reckoning as well. That's that's a time where I think a lot of people are going to be shocked by the names and the numbers. And we're, we're being cryptic because we don't know all the, the people and we don't know, you know who wants to get out, all that sort of stuff. But you'll, you'll know. I mean, there's a, if just do a little bit of research, look around a little bit. You'll, you'll, you'll sense guys that are on the way out. You can, it's not too hard to kind of dig and, and, and figure it out. But yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. And, and I'm somebody that, that is guilty of really not maybe watching as much indie wrestling as I should. And I, I'm going to hopefully start kind of changing that a little bit, watching a little bit more power, but I'm watching a little bit more of these kind of other indies because I like to kind of be on the cusp but I like to kind of know the next guys and I've been kind of complacent as well myself like I've kind of fallen into the yeah I just watch the main big indies or whatnot and that's fine but now we're at a point where you know I, I, I'm interested in kind of digging in a little bit more so I'm hopefully going to start doing that you know increasingly because that's now and there's an opportunity now for some of these companies that maybe have been doing a better job like a game changer like you said who kind of came out of nowhere like a fucking phoenix and, and have passed up a lot of these indies there might be some other companies out there that we don't even know about right now or we're kind of hear about a little bit that now emerge because they've been doing the job of building up stars and building up, you know, you know, local, you, you know, talent and whatnot that, that that we could maybe see that as well. So that's exciting to know. So I like when shakeups happen because it's exciting. But, yeah, it'll be it'll be very telling after January how a lot of these kind of shake out and, 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 and work. And, you know, it's not just in, in Chicago. It's all across the world. I mean, this entire scene now, uh, Europe, America, all that sort of stuff is going to be a lot different. Um after January, so in a lot of ways, because all elite, because of the WWE signing, because of NXT UK, so there's a lot of a lot of moving parts going on uh, in wrestling right now. All right, Joe, you ready for some questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's get through these. Uh, it's from Patreon.com. I, I meant that like in a terrible way. <laughs> I'm excited to answer these questions. When I said let's get through these, doesn't mean I'm, I, I don't want to answer these. I'm just you know, Patreon.com/slash Voice Wrestling is where we got the questions, and you can, of course, if you're a Patreon uh, supporter, you can do uh, anytime we do Q and As. I do Saturday morning Q and As. Sometimes we do Q and As here on the flagship as well. 
uh, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon will allow you to ask us questions. All right, we'll start with Jeremy. He says, who do you think is ready for a breakout year next year, whether it be someone from one of the bigger promotions or somebody who mostly wrestles freelance? Joe, who do you think is breaking out next year? That's a pretty apt question, um, you know, considering what we just talked about. Um, I don't know. You know, it, that's it's it's a tricky one because, I mean, I can give you a list of names. Why don't I approach it this way? Maybe people who I don't think are going to be signed, therefore I think that they're, you know, going to be given chances. I think that someone like Filthy Tom Lawler has not been used. I mean, now look, I get he still fights, and that's part of it, and he can't take a million bookings all over the place, but that's a guy where I watch him on MLW, and I think, how is every indie in the in the in, in the country not knocking down his door to try to get him the headline? I mean, the, the guy right. He could be the biggest star. He could be the biggest star in the indies, far and away. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and you know, I, I don't suspect that he's on their radar yet because he's still taking MMA fights and all those sorts of things. I mean, I could be wrong. I have no idea. Um, but that's a guy who I think is just simply um, lacking the opportunity to work in 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 the right places. And I don't think he's any kind of perfect worker or anything, but. Um, you know there, what he does. What he does do well, he 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 does well. So that makes no sense. But you get what I'm getting at. Yeah. No, I, I guess you. And I think one of the reasons why any of these questions about next year are so tough, and I mentioned this on my Saturday morning Q and A, is, dude, I have no fucking clue what's going to happen in January between all elites, between the guys that are signing to WWE, all this sort of stuff. That it's so hard to say what's going to happen next year because I have no idea what the smoldering mass is going to look like afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, because everything is going to change in January. You know, potentially everything is going to be so. It's so hard to come up with a name. Like I could give you a Myron Reed, but they might sign him. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Like he might get. It's so hard to say next year at this point because we just know that so much is on the horizon and so much is changing and moving about this business that it's so hard to kind of think of what the hell is going to happen next year because we have no idea what this the, the, the whole industry is going to look like. So I struggled with it. anytime anybody asked me, "Hey, what's going to happen next year?" Or, "Hey, what do you think is going to happen next year?" I said, "Dude, I have no fucking clue." Cuz New Japan could if All Elite says, "Hey, we're opening," and New Japan says, "Well, screw All Elite," you know, Kenny Omega is no longer with New Japan and and now, you know, All Elite is signed with, you know, this and, and New Japan sticks with Ring of Honor or maybe New Japan goes to, you know, and works all elite and tells Ring of Honor that they're not going to send their talent there anymore. Like so much shit can happen that I have no clue. You know what I mean? It's so many moving parts can occur that it's it's. I feel like I'm copping out on these answers, but I have no idea. Like who fucking knows what this thing's going to look like in a year? I think 2019. I've had that year circled on my calendar for the Sonata singles push since he signed with New Japan. There you go. Um, yeah, Sonata. <laughs> I'll stick with that. Well, I think that the timing now feels right too. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For, for for to do something with him as a single, um, I think they've established evil at this point at at a good level, and they know that they can main event him with confidence. And um, you know, I, I think that Sonata outside of G ones hasn't really had those same opportunities. And you gotta wait in line, you know. And he wasn't a homegrown guy the way Evil was. I get it. I always thought 2019 would be when you could say, okay, now you know, now it's time for Sonata and the way that his uh, career path has gone there. I think that the timing is pretty good for 2019 to see Sonata maybe get more of a push. And then I'll give you one more guy who I think I don't know if they'll break out, but I know that his company desperately needs this person to be a breakout wrestler. And that's Jake Lee in all Japan. They need Jake Lee to happen and they need Jake Lee to happen very badly. 
All Japan, and it's underreported, very stagnant year. Business-wise, um, you know, they had a good back end of the Champion Carnival. Um, on their big shows, they've had some really good matches. Miyahara Zeus, the title change, was an excellent match. I don't know if you saw it. I think I went like four and a half on it. Uh, Meltzer praised it as well. Universal praise for that match. Um, they had the nice little feel-good story with Zeus this year, which was fine, but didn't move the needle from a business perspective. I, You know, it didn't bomb, but I thought that would really blow up Osaka. It didn't. Um, you know, they're a company that has flatlined now. They've kind of just plateaued. Uh, that's a better word than flatline. Flatline implies that they're on death's door. They've plateaued now. And um, it's because it's Kento Miyahara and who? You know what I mean? Like, Zeus is a nice story, but, you know, he's a little long in the tooth, and we see that there's a ceiling there. Um, Jake Lee is the guy that needs to happen. He needs to... They need to get him over big time in 2019, and he needs to be able to handle it, and they need to create a rivalry between Jake Lee and Kento Miyahara, and um, that needs... They, they desperately need that second big heavyweight star. So... Um, I would say keep an eye on Jake Lee next year. That's a good one as well. I think uh, a guy, again, you mentioned New Japan, uh, Zack Sabre Jr., I think, is is next year. They've kind of building to him, and if you've been watching Tag League and all that sort of stuff, he is poised for big things next year, and I think they're they're battle-ready, I think New Japan is, for whatever the hell the all-elite thing is going to happen. If, if they're in it, or they have a relationship with them, or if those guys, you know, your, your Omegas and Bucks and those guys aren't around nearly as much, your Cody's or whatever, they kind of have... They're they're ready for that as well, and Zack Saber Jr. and Sonata are two guys that I think are definitely uh, uh, in that as well. So I don't know if they count as breakouts, but but I think they could be ascending to another level as well. So so that's that. But yeah, who the fuck knows what uh, 2019 is going to look like in wrestling? Uh, Scott Isla Mangai asks an offer to Joe and Rich twenty dollars on who wins more games next year: the Jays, the White Sox, or the Reds. He says deal. He says the Jays win eighty five next year. By the way, I think. I think that might be ambitious, the 85, but I don't know that I'm taking that bet because I think the Jays are probably going to win more than the White Sox uh, or the Reds. What do you say, Joe, about that bet? Uh, Listen, as an experienced gambler, um, I'm not making that bet on November 29th. Come back to me March 20th. Right, right. If the White Sox signed Bryce Harper, then maybe maybe we'll talk a little bit. But yeah, right now I'm not taking it. I got to see how the Reds rotation shakes out and what these teams do. I can't take that bet on November 29th. This guy's just mad because I fleeced him last year. Okay. I took him for everything he oh, was worth. Oh, the Jays make the playoffs thing. Yeah, he took his house. I took him for everything he was worth. Okay. He's begging me in DMs to give the money back. I mean, I just fleeced this guy. And he's desperate to get the money back. So, And this is actually turns out to be a $40 bet because you'd be getting $20 from two other people in, in this scenario with this three-way action, okay? So I don't know if I want to do this menage a trois bet yet. Come back to me about March 20th when, uh, you know, we know what's going on. Everybody's been signed. We know what these teams are looking like. And then, uh, then I'll let you know if I want to take that action. And I might want odds on that too. I mean, let's be honest here. If Vegas pegs the Blue Jays at like 84 and a half, and the fucking Reds are pegged at 69 and a half. I'm not taking that at even money. You got to pay me a VIG. You know what I mean? That'd be a foolish bet. So we'll talk in March and we'll see if we have to handicap it a little bit. Yeah, I feel like given where the White Sox are going, I think I'm still probably not going to take that bet. But we'll see. We'll see how that ends up uh, going there. But that's uh, Scott. Thank you very much, uh, Isla Man Man, for the uh, the question there. Uh, Travis, uh, my question is, who are the next wave of indie talent in the U.S. and the U.K.? I feel like we've kind of answered that a little bit. I think that's going to come in time. So, Travis, I don't want to, like, 
not do your question here, but I don't know that we necessarily need to come down and, and, and do that. I think that's going to sort of show itself, and, and I think we'll have more discussions about that in the next in the coming months. Joe, do you agree? We don't have to give like a big list right now of guys that we think from the U.S. and the U.K., but there, there are many and they're numerous. But again, like in in January, I think that'll shake out a little bit better. Do, do you agree? Yeah, we kind of covered a lot of that already. So, um, yeah. I'll move on here. Uh, John, the host of Wrestling Omakase, asks, uh, since I just lost my fucking mind doing the WWE Year Interview 2018 at Wrestling Omakase, yes, cheap plug, uh, was this the worst year in WWE history, strictly main roster versus main roster? If not, what year was worse and why? Joe, was this the worst year in WWE history? Uh, main roster, bell to bell. It's, it's, the, it's the worst one in many, many years. Um. I was going over some match of the year and end of the year stuff and, um, you know, contributing to the FSM 50 and all that and looking at the years that people have had. And, um, it's, it's, there's not a ton there on the main roster. It's not been good. Um, you know, it's like, you, you could argue that Seth Rollins has been the best wrestler on the male side and I'm not in love with any of his stuff. Um, I think he's just been okay. And, you know, it's, yeah, it, <sighs> It's their worst main roster year in probably, let's see, 2000, since, in this decade, I think. I could say that confidently. (sighs) Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting, because I think there have been some years that were yeah, but if you talk the, about the like booking and the finishes, you're, you're defining though, are 2010, so bad. 2010 to 2018, like that, that because there were yes. some real lean years, like the 08 and 09s were pretty lean in, 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 in some ways. But yeah, between but from 2010 until today, yeah, it, it, it probably 2010 maybe, but 2011 things started getting really good uh, because you know you had Brian coming in, you had Punk doing good stuff. Um, yeah. And pretty much from that point on, uh, with Brian, the Shield, the Punk, like that, all those guys kind of rolling around, you know, Brock Lesnar coming back or whatnot, Cena sort of ascending to his time. Yeah, it, it is unquestionably this decade is the worst. Worst all time, I mean, of like modern history, I, I probably 1999, which was really, really horrid in a lot of ways. Like quality was terrible. The TV was, was just garbage, too. It was just a peak attitude era you know, bullshit or whatnot. So I'd say nineteen ninety nine is my least favorite year of all time from WWE. And I don't know that this year is quite that. Cause there's been at least some matches that I've enjoyed, but certainly of recent vintage. No, this one definitely stands out as like a, an unbelievably bad year for them in, in terms of the quality of shows that they've had. I mean, there was a run of, we, we couldn't find anything on pay-per-views that we enjoyed. You know what I mean? We do these reviews and be like, well, I don't know. Everything was fine and good or whatever. We'll move on. Like they had some okay ones on the last half of the year and survivor series was solid, but yeah, it is, it is certainly of recent vintage. Definitely one of the worst that they've had in, in, in quite a while so it's been so bad that i i it's been so bad that i get like agitated that i have to watch it like i don't yeah (laughs) like oh i gotta watch oh god you know it's 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 really fucking bad uh Tanise Starway, you ask, uh, how do you think WWE will affect Japan when they start their NXT global expansion over there? Well, I'll answer first and then kind of let you, Joe. I think WWE has had a real tough time getting a foothold in Japan because business and 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 loyalty is just different in Japan. Like in, in Europe and, and anywhere across the world, guys are loyal to themselves. They care about their paycheck, their family. And they don't care about the company that they came up with or the company they worked with or whatever. Yeah, there's there's an understanding. Yeah, you don't want to fuck over the companies that, that did stuff for you. But at the end of the day, you want to cash that check and, and put food on the table. Whereas Japan is, is is different. You have a loyalty to Noah. You have a loyalty to All Japan. So WWE's tactics don't quite work there. You know what I mean? Like the idea of like we come.
come in and and okay, we're gonna sign you know these five ten guys or whatever. Like that just doesn't happen. Like I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but it's just that that's just not how things kind of shake out in Japan historically. So I think that's why they've had a tough time with this sort of strategy getting a foothold. I mean, all it would take is one guy or one promotion or basically bending over backwards, but they haven't been able to do it yet. And I I, I don't know they, that might be a region where they just kind of throw their hands up and say, hey, we don't know if we can really get a foothold the same way we can elsewhere. What, what do you think about uh, Japan uh, being affected uh, with WWE stuff? I mean, I think they're going to try it. Um, this oh, is, for sure they will. This is a, and they have been, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a global plan. I mean, they're going to they're gonna attempt it. Um, I think it'll be very, very challenging, though. Um, and again, it all just comes down to what, you know, it comes down to star power, of course. So it depends what stars they can get. Um, but again, the loyalty factor is, that's why I think even with the drastic style difference in Lucha, I think it might even be easier to do it in Latin America because of what you mentioned, that loyalty factor. You know, it, it's it's more closer to a U.S., Canada, or European mindset where it's just, you know, take the best deal. We see that in Lucha all the time. Guys jumping back and forth from AAA and CMLL and out for themselves and holding up promoters and, you know, dick-teasing matches that aren't really going to happen so they can get more money out of it. You don't see that kind of stuff in Japan. It's just, it's it's different there, like you mentioned. So I think it'll be their most challenging region for sure. But they will attempt it. And, um, you know, it's it's they've got the power behind them and the money behind them that you can't really discount them being successful um, at anything they try. So I'd have to see how they approach it. And I think their best course of action would be linking up with a current promotion. And it doesn't look like New Japan, at least the way things change so quickly, but I don't think New Japan would be into that idea right now. But maybe right. That, can... That's what I said. The one thing they would have to do is like a, a company would have to kind of yeah. think that it's a good idea to get in bed with them, and then that would sort of be the tentacles, and that would sort right. of work that way. But that seems, I mean, especially historically, I mean, WWE used to have a good foothold in Japan and, and Vince McMahon and Inoki and all that sort of stuff. But over time, like again, like because the business practices are just so much different that that it's been very difficult to get a foothold the way WWE kind of wants to do business, which is just fucking bulldoze everybody and, and go through everybody and that's just not traditionally how japan has, has worked and operated so it would take new japan saying yeah this is a good idea but i mean they're not going to and it would take because at that point like i don't know if there's any other promotion that would really like if noah decided to work with them like yeah that would be you know an interesting thing in noah and that would change them a little bit but i don't know that it would really do what it's done to be seen it would it would require multiple companies to kind of get in bed with them and think that it's a good idea and i just don't think that's going to happen or occur so yeah i don't know i mean in, in a much smaller scale, that's they kind of used progress in that same way to kind of get their foothold in the scene and all that sort of thing. And, and I, I don't know. I'd have to see who they linked up with, but I do think it'd be almost impossible for them. It'd be a lot harder for them if they went in cold and on their own and just opened up a training facility in Japan and just, you know, started from ground up. I don't think, I think you're right. They'd need to link up with someone. That'd be the smartest way to do it anyway. Uh, Skeech uh, 101 asks, it was Doug who uh, does the uh, stuff over at Reddit. He does the uh, Reddit uh, squared circle. He's one of the mods there. Uh, with WWE taking a bigger role in Evolve, concerns over AEW encroachment, all elite wrestling, uh, do you think we might see UK-style contract offers to U.S. talent to keep them away from AEW? What do you think? No. They're just going to sign them. They're just going to sign them. 
Yeah, exactly. We see it right now. They just we're seeing it happen. They're just signing. There's just them. There's no yeah, there's just eight hundred people on the PC. There's yeah. just yeah, it's just the they just sign them. Yeah, they don't need to. There's no caveats. They just fucking sign them. So it's 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 different for sure. Yeah, the UK thing really those those promise deals were just to keep people away from ITV. You know, and 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 now look, they're just signing those people now. So no, you know, the US, you just you just sign them. All right. Uh, Jonathan Ma asks, uh, does WWE have more and better wrestler of the year contenders than ever before? Looking at cage match, I was surprised to see how strong the resumes of a Johnny Gargano, a Pete Dunne, Mustafa Ali, and even Buddy Murphy were. I don't think they stack up to Kenny Omega, Kota Bushi, or Will Ospreay, or even a Zack Sabre Jr., but this seems like a pretty good crop. Uh, right? Uh, that's before the accounts of Charlotte and some other ones as well. And again, uh, Kari Sane, Shayna, whatnot. Do you think WWE has a uh, surprising amount of decent wrestler of the year contenders? Well, okay. Number one, we have to parse out what we're talking about. If it's just a bell-to-bell wrestler of the year or what Meltzer calls most outstanding, yeah, there's some people there, but none of them are on the main roster. And it would be some of the ones that that he named. If you're talking about wrestler of the year in the Flair Thez Award sense with the one awards, there's no contender in WWE. I, there, there's just not. Um, you know, maybe... Uh, I, this might sound wild, but Ronda Rousey might be the best candidate. I, I don't know where else you would go for a WWE candidate for the Flair Thez Award. I just don't think they have a contender. Now, bell to bell, yeah, but you, it's not main roster people. I mean, their best wrestlers this year have been in their sub-brands. Buddy Murphy and Johnny Gargano and and and, and, uh, and people like that. Mustafa Ali. and th- That's where their best bell to bell wrestlers have been. Um, not on the main roster. So... And, 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 you know, there's if, if you value, like, peak high-level matches and peak performance, I think you can make a serious argument Charlotte has been the best wrestler on the main roster after the, the last two pay-per-views with the Becky Lynch match and the match against Ronda Rousey and then the Asuka match earlier this year because there's really not a lot of other places to turn. Now, week in, week out, match in, match out, you know, Seth Rollins has all the solid three-star TV stuff, and he's better on a week in, week out basis. Even AJ Styles, who doesn't have the great match of the year caliber stuff that we're accustomed to, I think his work in the Samoa Joe matches and his work in the Shinsuke Nakamura matches, a lot of the reason those matches got dragged down were booking. And 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 yeah, they weren't his usual level, but his work is solid enough. On, and even his TV stuff against Daniel Bryan and stuff like that. Look, no match of the year contenders, but solid. Now, if you so, what I'm saying is, if you if you value peak and and match of the year level stuff and stuff that flirts, I think Charlotte might be the best pick on the main roster, and she gets blown away by people on 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 some of the sub brands. So um, it depends what award you're talking about. And then from there, it depends if you're talking about main roster or or, or everybody else. And I think uh, Pete Dunne is a guy who's coming on strong, especially late in the year with some of the stuff that's just hitting tape now. And, of course, there's... Um, yeah, that Devlin match is awesome, by the way. I, I know you saw it. If, you, if, if you're listening to this and you have not watched the NXT U, uh, UK Devlin uh, Dunn match, definitely go out of your way and check that one out. It's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, the Undisputed Era and Mustache Mountain Tags are the best matches in the company this year. Um, and the best feud, bell-to-bell feud in the company this year. It's all stuff that's not on the main roster. The main roster has been bad. Um, yeah. Bad is, is, is not an, an exaggeration. That's the word I would use. It's been, it's been bad. 
So, yeah, I think uh, to answer your question, you know, Joe, you kind of did right there. But I think, yeah, it depends. Wrestler of the year, if you're talking about most outstanding, yeah, there is a case to be made for guys like a Pete Dawn, even a Mustafa Ali, a Buddy Murphy, a Johnny Gargano. But wrestler of the year, probably not so much. And and, and I think they do stack up uh, pretty favorably with, like, your Omegas, Ibushis, and those sort of types, and Will Ospreys and, and Zack Sabre Jr. Like, my pick is probably a Walter. But if you wanted to make a case for Mustafa Ali, I wouldn't really – I wouldn't totally disagree. He's had a lot of great matches. If you want to make a case for Pete Dawn, I would definitely not uh, disagree with you as well. And Johnny Gargano has had few of the the best matches of the year as well as well so yeah i would definitely not disagree on that level but yeah rest of the year is an interesting case if it's the observer wrestler of the year no if it's an observer most outstanding then yeah then then there's definitely a case to be made for those guys um with, with that se- Matt with, with that said though Rich, oh sorry go ahead with that said quickly i don't think anyone in wwe should win most outstanding i mean there's better contenders on the sub brands i agree no, yeah, they sure. don't touch with like walter or will Ospreay or, or, or okada or kota abushi or even Tanahashi, or, or even Phoenix. I mean, they don't even touch what he's done this year, like like a Phoenix. Or uh, there's no one on the WWE roster at that level. I mean, now, do I think some of those guys could would be reasonable for like finishing in the top ten? I mean, sure. Um, you know, I'm not going to kill you if if you have Roderick Strong in your top ten based on his tag work and his stuff in the Cruiserweight tournament and stuff like that. But I mean, geez, he just gets lapped a thousand times when you're talking about your Walters and your Zack Saber Juniors and your Willow Sprays. All right, Matt Love asks, uh, where do you guys rank the Briscoes among all-time tag teams? For a team that's done consistently great work and been so important to their company as long as they have, they don't seem to be brought up in all-timers discussions as often as you would expect. Matt, uh, great question there. What do you think, Joe, about the Briscoes as an all-time great tag team? Because, yeah, we don't talk about them, I think, as much as we should, and we probably should, right? I think the Briscoes are an all-time great tag team. Yeah, I don't have. I say that with zero hesitation. They're slowing down. There's no question they're slowing down. They're still good. Yeah, this is probably the least. This is probably the, this year has probably been the least I've enjoyed the Briscoes ever. You know, and, yes. and that's that's spanning. And when I say ever, that's spanning like fucking 2003. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. been that long that they've been doing consistently great work or whatnot. So there's something to be said for that. So you know, for a, a decade of of great work, yeah, it's kind of slowing down. Hell, shit, a decade and a half basically. Uh, of great work this year yeah you're starting to kind of see the cracks a little bit but jesus man you've had 14 15 years of of just tremendous work from the minute they basically got to roh until yeah about about last year or so and it's predominantly roh yeah it's predominantly roh for sure i mean 90 percent of it but they they got some stuff in noah that will blow your fucking mind um you know so it's like it's not just roh but yeah i mean they're an iconic roh act and i think that yeah i, I have no hesitation saying they're an all-time tag team we even brought that up maybe a year ago on a show yeah we, we did. really took we really took a look at their career and and how you know we're talking 15 years it's shocking I mean, it's shocking to look at the amount of matches they've had and the amount of great matches they've had in, in their career i think we're i think it's it, it's more of a case we just take it for granted i think because they've just always been around like as far as we've known ring of honor we've known indie wrestling the briscoes have been there so it might be a case where like when they retire they go away we're like oh yeah the briscoes like they were super good it might be something and i think a, a big reason why is is and a big issue with it is that ring of honor is you know history they don't embrace it as much as they probably should their streaming service isn't as yeah. active so you don't have people that are going back and watching 2008 briscoe's matches going holy shit this is incredible this stuff is amazing like there's not people going back and watching 04 you know the beginning of the briscoes and you know uh, what was it mark not being young enough or being too young to even work or whatever and jay having to do matches that like they were good from that point too so it's just like i i, I think that plays a huge part in it as well is that the the accessibility of historic ring of honor is not very good so it kind of hurts our our, our you know 
enjoyment of that or, or, or people haven't gone back and really looked in, and, and watched a lot of the old stuff and said, oh my god, these guys were great. But people that have lived it in the moment and have kind of followed Ring of Honor from their, its inception, I think do grade the Briscoes as an all-time great. And I, I, I'm one of those people, and I know you are as well, and I think most people uh, that have been following them forever would, would, would agree with that for sure. I've said this a million times, but I think in a hundred years when people are watching tape, people are going to say, how the hell is Jay Briscoe not considered one of the greatest wrestlers? Yeah. Of all time? Oh, you've, you've said that exact quote before. So yeah, we are definitely not the show that is underrated that, but yeah, I remember that quote about a year or so ago. You said that, that yeah, he is going to be a guy that, you know, yeah, in, in years people are going to go, Oh my God, this is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And we didn't, we didn't know, like he was just kind of here and, and, you know, we kind of took it for granted. I think that's the best way to kind of talk about the Briscoes is we just, we're, we've relied on them for so long that it's, we're not used to them not being around that, it, it's we've kind of become complacent with it, and and they are great. They are all time great. So yeah, it's it's, he, it's definitely. He's got some match performances that are just fucking immaculate. Yeah, and um, there's just he's a he moves different and he looks different, and a lot of it is he self destructed himself, you know. And and people are gonna say, how is this guy not the biggest fucking star in the world? And a lot of that's on him. Yeah, or so, how did but, he only have this one? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it will yeah. be, how did this guy only have that one title reign? And it was a long title reign, but you think, oh my Jesus, God, this is a guy that you would build around. Like, you build an entire company around this guy in a lot of ways. But yeah, just, you know, for whatever reason. And and, and some, yeah, some, their own reasons as well. It just didn't happen for them. But no, it's, uh, they're an all-time great tag team, for sure. 100%. Anybody who yeah. doesn't say they are, is, just didn't watch Ring of Honor, just doesn't. It, they got their head in the sand. Or, yeah. you're, you're just, you're, you're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, you're just wrong. I mean, they have a body of work that's unmatched by almost any tag team in, in history. I mean, 15 in the, in years their of era. solid matches. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Colvin asks, this is an interesting question, Joe, because I know you've been watching BOLA. Uh, after watching the latest edition of the Battle of Los Angeles, did you find the Globe Theater to be distracting as I did? So this is a two-part question. Did you find anything distracting about the Globe Theater? Um, what's the second part? Okay, the, it, the, the second part is, admittedly, my wrestling lens is very jaded in 2018. I'm desperately trying to find anything to hold my interest until Rumble season, and Bola usually uh, keeps me interested uh, during the fall and winter lull period. This year's shows had a lot of great matches, but I couldn't get super into each match because the venue seemed off. Am I being overly critical? So he, at the end okay. of it, w- didn't think that it, it really hooked him, and he, Chris thinks that the venue might have been the reason why. Okay, so um, I I am probably going to do subscriber audio for uh, on, and wrap and do a whole thing on Bola. So I don't want to get too detailed. I will say this though: I thought the Globe Theater looked great on tape and way better than a little dump that they usually run. Oh, way better dump. than the I love the building. dump. The dump looked like shit, but I like. There's something charming about the dump, but I'm, I'm with the, you. The glo- it aesthetically the Globe looked better. Theater, for sure. Yes, the Globe Theater made it feel like a big time, vibrant company. And, and there's a charm to Reseda. I was too hard on it. I mean, I don't hate the Reseda building. I mean, oh, it's, it's unquestionably a dump. But I, yeah, no, it, it definitely. I, I see. I like the idea of like people like holding like pitchers of beer and getting like dumped on and all that sort of stuff. But it looks like kind of like your rinky dink sort of like local. And this felt like the Globe Theater felt like this is a a big time company and a big time deal. So I, I I see the difference for sure. It may to me. It's I had the opposite of the guy who asked the question. The Globe Theater hurt his viewing experience. It helped mine. It made me feel like, wow, this is different. This is bigger and better for PWG. I like this. I was into the shows more in the Globe Theater. All right. Uh, I got a few other ones here. Oh, okay. David Nevitt asks, uh, odds on Pac defeating Yoshino for the Dreamgate on Tuesday. Oh, that's coming up this Tuesday. Jit. Fuck. 
came out of nowhere here. But yeah. Pac uh, defeating Yoshino for the Dreamgate on Tuesday. We'll have to watch that and talk about it next week for sure. Yeah, I don't know what the odds are, but he should win it. I think that um, they've got something there. And this could be a scenario where we feel like he's hotter because we're in the West. But, you know, I, I feel like, though, he's the hottest heel in the company and they need something um, to, to, to grab some attention and to shake things up a little bit. And I feel like if you're going to do, that, do something with Pac, it has it now is the perfect timing. I think it's now or never. I don't think you have him lose and then come back and do it again at some point. Just do it now if you're going to do something with him short term. And I know he's not signed, and I know that ultimately he's probably not planting his flag in Dragon Gate for fucking a half a decade. He's probably going to be gone within a year. Um, but so with all that said, I think yes, I think he should win it. I think that feels like the right move. Yeah, I think from a, from the story standpoint, it'd be good, you know, knowing that he's kind of coming here, and I think it, it it helps sell as well because he came in, he kind of shook everything up. He said he's kind of changing the game, and and if he just comes here and then he loses the Dreamgate match, then it's like, all right, all right, he's just kind of here for a little bit, and then he's gonna leave. I think it would be a, you know, I, you know, we talk about the West and the buzz around there, and I think like if you watch Dragon Gate TV and you've been kind of following it and what's going on a little bit, is it would make all the sense in the world, like you said, of him coming in there and winning it because it would feel like, oh shit, this dude backed up what he said, and like I feel like the challengers would be a lot more fun, the the heat would a little be a little bit more fun because if he just loses, it feels then he's just like in a holding period, and then you're just like, all right, well we know he's gonna leave eventually, so let's just kind of watch him do whatever. I think you can't talk the talk and then not deliver on this so I hope that they have him win because he's talked that big talk I think it'd be a great story to have him come in here be the invader uh, you know quote unquote come in win and, and kind of go on from there so hopefully he does we'll, we'll, we'll see I'm I'm rooting for it because I think it'd be a cool story for Dragon Gate for sure and again I don't know I don't know what the feel is among the Japanese fans though the paying customers there all I know is in the west he feels like the hottest thing in the country right yeah yeah we, we don't we don't have a proper judge of that but yeah as far as we know like the buzz has been bigger than ever for Dragon Gate but that's just because that could potentially be because Pac's there but no I think uh, yeah no I, I, I'm all in favor of that I think it's the, the right move for sure so we'll see hopefully so all right. Uh, Gerard asks if the elite are done with New Japan, and that includes Omega. Who do you think in New Japan, other than Jay White, would benefit the most? Joe, who are your answers? Because I have a few as well, but I'll let you go first here. Oh, you go first then, because I'd have to think about that. Yeah, I mean, I think initially I mentioned him a little bit earlier when I talked about breakouts. I think a Zack Saber Jr. type uh, moves up the ladder a little bit. Uh, you mentioned Jay White, Gerard. I think Jay White is absolutely one. I think, and Joe, you mentioned another guy, Sonata. I think is a guy who sort of moves up. Basically, anybody that's in that upper mid card, I think, takes a leap up with with an Omega, and. I'm, I guess the people on the sort of the mid card level, like your Juice Robinson types, those sort of guys, maybe take a little step up as well. With Cody not being sort of in the mix in terms of the mid card, but I think that's probably it. Like I, I, I really, you know, the leader obviously important in New Japan, but other than Omega and to a some extent of Cody, I think you can really replace those guys in like seconds, and it really wouldn't matter. I mean, Omega is obviously going to be a big blow, but and th- and that doesn't mean those guys aren't valuable and they're not great wrestlers, but I just think, and we talk about all the time, that New Japan is so stacked and so ready that if you took those guys out, like when AJ and Nakamura and, and, and Gallows and Anderson left, they just went, alright, cool, and then just moved guys up. And You know what I mean? Omega moved up to that ladder. Like, Jay White is ready to move up that ladder. Zack Sabre Jr., I think they've been kind of building up to move up that ladder. Sonata is a guy who can definitely move up. You know, I, I, they have Naito on the ready, and he's not even been, you know, probably utilized to his fullest powers this year as well. So, I think all those guys just kind of take a step up but i don't think there's like this transformative guy that benefits all that much i think it's just kind of business as usual for them and they just kind of move on nobody in the elite is any kind of loss whatsoever with the exception of omega right omega omega absolutely is 
for sure. The, the rest are nice to have, but you can easily live without any one of them. And that right, and, and that and that applies. I think that applies to Kota Ibushi too. I love Kota. He's one of my favorite wrestlers going. But if Kota Ibushi left again, like I don't, they'd be fine. You know what I mean? Like I, I would I, suck not to see him, but they're fine. You know, that's not like life and death when these guys leave if they do or, or whatever that ends up happening. So it's an interesting question because I think the guys that were going to step up probably just step up anyway, and and maybe a few other people move up the ladder another rung or a little rung quicker. But I don't know that like it's a transformative thing for the entire company and a bunch of new dudes move up or, or a guy that we don't even realize, you know, gets this great opportunity. I think it's just, yeah, Sonata, Zack Sabre Jr., Jay White, like that's probably, but those guys are already at that level, it seems, you know, seemingly ready to, uh, you know, to, to move up. I don't, I don't think any of them matter except Omega. And I think that Omega is a, Omega is a huge, huge star for them and a mega draw. And I think, people are crazy who try to downplay that I mean there's just no evidence to suggest against that and I mean the dome looks like it's going to do better than last year um, you know, but but with all of that said I don't think that would be any kind of death knell or even derail their momentum you know even Omega the rest totally replaceable parts nice to have but not uh, you, you know not irreplaceable at all I mean I, I you know Hangman Page and Cody and the Bucks and and I, I agree with you with Ibushi too I mean that's a great guy to have I mean but I look they've lived without him before mm-hmm. they'd be fine sure. you know it's it's it, the biggest blow in the company would be Okada um, you know Tanahashi even at 42 years old I think is still up there and obviously Naito I mean those are the three where if they lost one of them, maybe not Tanahashi so much, but if they lost one of the other two, only because of Yeah, they lost Okada and Naito for sure. It's like, ooh boy. You'd Okada be like, in wow, particular. that's... Yeah, you'd be like, oh my god, that's... Th- 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 you might have to worry a little. Um, but Omega is not quite that, even though I think he's proven at the gate to be every bit of a draw um, in terms of selling tickets and those sorts of things. But, um, but yeah, I agree that... Um, whoever is going to move up is going to move up whether they stay or go. Here's the other thing. New Japan's not stupid. They obviously, I think that they have a contingency plan. Um, I think that the possibility that they might not be able to get those guys signed, that they understand that. And I think that, um, you know, they do have people simmering below the surface that might just get pushed a little bit sooner than they would have at that very top level if they happen to lose Omega. I don't even care about the, the other ones. I'm sure they they view it the same way I do, that it doesn't even matter. I mean, what, what difference does it make if the Bucks aren't there anymore? It doesn't... Yeah, you know, right, it, right, it right, right. really doesn't make a difference. I, I think the Cody biggest... The Hangman. biggest... Yeah, the, the biggest blow would come in terms of U.S. expansion and, and doing shows in the U.S. and that sort of stuff. That yeah. could be a big blow, but but I fully believe, and, and, and I think there is, there's obviously a tremendous benefit to having the Bucks and Omega and Cody and all those guys, sort oh, yeah. of guys, but I fully believe, and I think New Japan has done a pretty good job of of selling their brand of wrestling to America. So if they needed to, maybe they have to tone it down a little bit. Maybe they do a few less shows in America or whatnot. But I still fully believe that if they roll into to Madison Square Garden with a, just a strictly New Japan show, that it will do okay. It will do fine. Like, I don't think it's a death knell. Forget the U.S. expansion. It's over. Scrap it from the from, from the ideas. Like, if you lose the Bucks and Cody or whatever, it's a tremendous benefit, of course. But but I think that there's still an opportunity for them to, 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 to make some traction there. And I think some people might welcome the opportunity opportunity to feel like they're getting an authentic New Japan show in a lot of ways. But it's definitely that would definitely be affected in some way, for sure. I mean, I, I think then you're getting less American shows, um, different sort of 
way about that, but but I think a lot of what they've been doing about reaching out to English speakers and doing the YouTube video and all that sort of stuff is to make it less dependent on these guys that you know and more dependent on, hey, here's you know New Japan Pro Wrestling coming to America versus, hey, here's the Bucks and Kenny Omega and, and, and Cody coming to America with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, 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 and we've been saying for a while that they needed to do that. So I, I think they'd be fine. It just well, I, I was thinking, sure. I was thinking totally in terms of Japan. I mean, the elite guys main event the New Japan USA show. I mean, the Bucks go from an undercard act to main eventers in the U.S. Same right. for Cody. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're main eventers in the U.S. and they're not necessarily. I mean, Cody had one main event in Japan, but um, so that's yeah. I was thinking more in terms of just Japan, but yeah, it would affect the American expansion for sure because you do you may you run the risk of losing a lot of those you know those Bullet Club fans, those elite fans who are rabid rabid fans, difference making fans. All right, so we ask uh, here, we'll move on to uh, oh, Matt. He's got an interesting question here. Any chance we get an NHL Intelligentsia podcast? Joe, I know you're nothing if not the biggest NHL fan, so uh, any chance of an NHL Intelligentsia coming anytime soon? I don't. I couldn't name five NHL players. <laughs> I was going to say, Joe and I would basically, if we did that, it would basically be Joe and I live streaming NHL 95 games that we play against each yeah. other. I think that that would be the extent of it, is that maybe if, if, we could figure out a way to make it work online. Joe and I would play NHL 95 because that is about the last time I followed the NHL. So unless you want the hottest of takes on the, the Minnesota North Stars and Paul Coffey, I don't know that I can offer anything in the NHL intelligence. And I think, Joe, uh, you're probably about the same thing as well. If it's not Pavel Bure or Stevie Eiserman, I don't know that you're uh, you're offering many, uh, many insights. So Yeah, I, I legit cannot name... <laughs> Five active NHL players. I can okay. Let's try it. I, I got okay, okay. Okay, Sydney Crosby. How about five collective? I think we can do five collective. Do you want to do that, or do you want to choose five on your own? Well, do, do five I, on your I own. Know, do five on your own. Here's let's the do, thing. Let's... Here's what we'll do. I know I can't do five, so I'll name everyone I know, and we'll see if you can get us to five. Okay. All right. I can give you Sidney Crosby. Got it. I, I can give you Ovechkin. Yep. I don't know his first name. <laughs> Alexander. <Is it> Alexander. <laughs> it's Alexander. Yeah. Okay. I can give you. Is Yamir Yager still an active player? Uh, you know that might still work. I think he maybe finally hung up the skates last year, but it's. Uh, I'm gonna count it. I'm gonna count Yamir Yager, so you can move on. I, I, if he's an active player, because I he I know he's still hanging around at like 48 or whatever. Okay, it is. so he's he's in um, Czechoslovakia again, but we're gonna count it anyway because last year in 2018 he was with Calgary, so we're gonna count it. Is he, is he in the league today? Uh, no. So I guess if you want, I, then I'm not counting him. Okay. okay. Um, so we got Crosby, Ovechkin. I, I um, we're not counting Yager. I'm at, <laughs> I am out of players. I legitimately oh, cannot name another NHL player. So do you on. know three? All right, I got um, Patrick Kane, uh, Jonathan Taves from the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, oh, so one guy's? more. We need one. Shit, what's that guy's name? Um, <laughs> there's one on the top of my tongue, and I cannot remember his name. So we got Crosby, Ovechkin, Patrick Kane, uh, Jonathan Taves, Bob Probert. I mm, Tony I, Twist. Uh, I'm definitely positive Bob Probert is not playing in the NHL right now because that'd be a much bigger story given uh, his current status uh, on this earth. But um, oh, Ulf his, Samuelson. I don't believe Ulf Samuelson is playing anymore. Uh, oh shit! I know the last guy, but I can't. Okay, this is terrible. We so we can't. We can't. Jerome McGinley. Is Jerome McGinley still hanging around? Never heard of him. Not Jerome. That wasn't his name. What was his name? <laughs> Jerome McGinley. Oh, it was, it was Jerome McGinley. Okay, he retired in 2017, so no, it is not Jerome McGinley anymore. Yeah, okay, I'm out. Yeah. So that's it. We so. got some retired guys. I mean, I uh, yeah, I said if you want to do if you want us to do the 1995 NHL intelligentsia, I think we could do a pretty good job of that. I could talk about the Hartford Whalers and 
you know, the, is, the dominance is, uh, of the Detroit Brett, Red Wings, but... Is Brett Hull still kicking around? Uh, Brett Probably Hull is not, no right? longer still kicking around, no, He's got to be 50, right? Yeah, no, no, he's, he's gone. He's gone. Jeremy Roenick is retired as well, so... Oh, Ronick retires it. Yeah, yeah. Mario Lemieux yeah. isn't still hanging around. So, like I said, if you want to do, yeah, we could we could definitely do like a, a throwback NHL podcast where we just name guys. Like I don't think we're gonna have any insights. But we could certainly name guys. We could name Mark Messier. You know, I and oh God, yeah, I can name guys uh, all night. <laughs> I mean, that's the like, Owen Nolan. Remember Owen Nolan? Remember, I don't think yeah. I do. No, I don't think I do. No, no Owen Nolan. Yeah, he was a he was a Quebec Nordique. These oh, aren't yes. even teams anymore, Rich. <laughs> like all, the teams, teams anymore. all the teams I can talk about don't exist anymore, so that's probably not a good thing. Yeah, he, he played with Joe Sackick. Remember Joe Sackick? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. We named at least two teams that don't even exist anymore. <laughs> Three, I think. I so, think I dropped, a, I dropped a North Stars, a Hartford Whalers, and you dropped a Nordiques. So, yeah, we've definitely... Good point. Yeah. Three. Yeah, so that's that's the extent of the So, no, you're probably not going to get an NHL Intelligentsia podcast. So sorry about that. All right, uh, Chicken Man asks, uh, which would you prefer, a roster full of talented workers but minimal star power or a roster with below-average workers but some stars slash main players? That's a very interesting question. Well, what are my objectives? What am I trying to do? Um, he am doesn't I... say, but let's... What's this guy's name? Uh, Chicken Man. Am I trying to pop Chicken Man and give him a good show, or am I trying to get a return on my investment? Because I'll take to get a the return stars on your investment. Joe. You're, you're Joe. You're, you're Joe Lanza. You've, you've for some fucking reason decided you got a Christmas bonus this year, Joe, and you said, you know what, Brittany, <laughs> I'm going to start promoting wrestling. And she goes, oh my god, please don't do this. And you go, no, I'm going to do it. So Joe, you are promoting wrestling in College Station, Texas. So that that's well, well, well that's your real scenario. Is you got an extra thousand bucks or whatever in your bonus, and you decided, ah, I'm going to do wrestling. So now you're that Joe Lanza. Which do you oh my prefer? God! I'd rather I'd rather invest in calculators. <laughs> um, I, I uh, abacus. <laughs> I'd rather. Yeah, calculators are making a big comeback. Um, what no, they gotta, they mean, gotta be at the, the TI one thousand at this point, right? I was rocking the eighty three back in uh, you know twenty years ago. I can't imagine what they have now. So yeah, I, do they I, have calculators? Why would you need calculators? Everybody's got laptops and shit now. But maybe they do. Okay, go that, on. That was kind of the point there, oh. pal. <laughs> well, they probably still have graphing calculators. Um, I'm sure they still have graphing calculators. Those are still important. Um, again, if if my objective is to get a return on my investment, I'm taking the stars every time. Um, I think that you know that's just an obvious answer. You'd like to have a good mix. I mean, I do think it's more important than ever to put on good shows, though. So. You know, look, I've always said if I ever promoted a wrestling show, which is never, ever, 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 ever going to happen, that will never happen. If I ever promoted a wrestling show, I would use uh, local talent, uh, very low level, very inexperienced, cheapest as possible, and just try to draw families. And that would be the best way to approach making money, I think, at, at, at a level that you know, a, a schlub like me could, could afford to do. I would not try to bring in Zack Sabre Jr., um, you know, to wrestle Will Ospreay in my main events. And, and um, you know, that that would not be – I'm not going to be Canuck pro. I'm, I would use wrestlers you've never heard of, um, you know, hungry uh, to work and, and very cheap. And I'd run some high school gym somewhere that I could get super cheap or maybe split the money with the school. And I would be very happy making my um, $700 profit. Um, that's how I would approach running a wrestling show. I have no interest in running, uh, you know, a big time uh, indie uh, wrestling show. None. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way, and we've talked about this before. Is that my ideal thing? And and I did that even when I played like EWR or whatever. When I played wrestling sims, is I would like 
go low budget as possible and try to like work my way up and build guys up from 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 nothing to something or whatever that i prefer way more than anything maybe maybe as you said book like one guy that comes in and gets some you know nostalgia pops and gets a few tickets sold but like yeah the rest of my undercard would just be local guys young guys that i'm trying to move up because i want to build those next stars i want to be that guy versus the hassle and the, and the struggle of oh my god if we don't sell a thousand tickets i'm losing my ass on the show or whatever that sounds way too stressful to me i'm down for like you said rolling into a high school gym and saying hey if we get if we get a hundred people i'll be happy you know what I mean? Like, that's pretty much all that I want because you set expectations low and then there's a the fun challenge of trying to build it up, build it up, build it up in that way. So I'm right with you. That's probably what I would do. So I would always prefer if I was booking uh, to do the, as you said, the the below average workers but some stars and some main players or, or whatever or however you want to classify it, whatever way it would be. It would be maybe one star and a bunch of scrubs and or maybe just all scrubs and just kind of work our way up that way. So that's that sounds much more fun to me. Hey, now if you if you want to put me on the team and pay me, I would work. I would think I would take a job at a wrestling promotion if the situation was right. But I'm never putting up my own money. That's, oh God, that no! Would, Jesus Christ, no! No, it would never, never happen. Never, never, never. All right, a uh, few more questions here. This comes from the forums here. I'll do uh, two more, two more questions here, and then the rest of these. Uh, by the way, a lot of good ones. I said I will answer those. Uh, I'll do an overrun uh, something this weekend to uh, answer the rest of these questions. There's a lot of really good ones in here, but we just don't have the time because unfortunately we have to go a little shorter uh, this week. But I said we'll be back at full strength next week. Sea uh, Bacon eighty seven asks, been on, been on an ECW kick, so interested in Joe's opinion on Shane Douglas, work wise, character wise, and big picture, whether he's fairly remembered or not. So, what do you think about Shane Douglas, the franchise? Shane Douglas, um, and for someone that lived through it and went to the shows and all that during that peak, um, or not the peak actually, but the glory days, I should say, of what people remember as the glory days, because they did much better business later on. But I, I think what he's talking about here is what, like ninety-five to ninety-seven, right? That's kind of what he's keying it. Keying. I think on. so. Yeah, That's I don't know if he's talking about like the ninety-five or ninety-three, like throw down the title, Shane Douglas. I think well, maybe yeah. There more. you go. Maybe like ninety-four to ninety-seven with the. You know the the little WWE run. Um, you know when he came back. I you know, but yeah, like vintage Shane Douglas in ECW. I gotta tell you, I think he's one of the most underappreciated. Um, you know, um, um, acts in the company. I mean, we all remember Sabu and the Sandman and Public Enemy and Terry Funk and you know you go right down the list and I, you know Shane Douglas doesn't. I mean he 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 doesn't quite get held up in the same reverence. But let me tell you something. As far as cutting a heel promo and drawing the old real heat. Oh, dude. I mean, he was great. Yeah. Oh I mean, my god, an incredible promo. So and I, I didn't know that he actually fucking wrestled because uh, when I started watching ECW, he was in that giant arm sling, and he felt like he was in that fucking arm sling for like two years. But he yeah. was the biggest star in ECW, and I never saw the guy wrestle. I didn't even know he did wrestle. The only time I ever saw him wrestle was in the promo videos about Shane Douglas's past matches or whatever. Right. The dude would take so long off because he'd have his goddamn like reconstructive elbow surgery or whatnot. It felt like it was forever, but he would come out there every single week, cut a promo, he'd have heat out of the mind, and then like they were building up to matches that when he eventually would come back, you just couldn't wait to see this fucking asshole get suplexed by Taz or whatever. And I was like, he was like my favorite wrestler in ECW, and I never saw him wrestle just from him coming out there and cutting promos. A great pro and look and 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 real genuine heat, not the because you get go away heat in that building. I mean, you can get the wrong kind of heat in that building if they didn't want you there. This was they hated him in all the right ways. An awesome promo and look, an underrated wrestler in his time too. There, I mean, he brought something a little different to the table. I mean, he'd have his walking brawls too and all that, but. You know, he held his own, you know, when he had to stay in the ring and work. I mean, if you're talking about... And look, the Pitbull 2 feud, 
I mean, you want to talk about heat when he was yanking that guy by the halo, and he's involved in some iconic angles, was a better wrestler than he ever got credit for, and was just one of the best promo guys in the world at that time, not just that company. I mean, he was a fantastic pro, both in the ring with the mic in front of a live crowd and in pre-tape stuff, too. I mean, which is a different animal. He was great with the pre-tapes. He was great in the ring with the mic in his hand in front of an impossibly tough crowd, which can get you derailed in a second in that building with those fucking maniacs, okay? And then his ring work was underrated, and he was involved in some of the most iconic angles and feuds in the company. I was all about Shane Douglas then, and, and, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you something else about Shane Douglas, Rich, and tell me if you agree with this. I think his ECW shit holds up much better than a lot of other people's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime I go back and watch, I really enjoy his stuff more than I would enjoy anybody. I think that's what, uh, what C-Bick in 84 is, or 87 is saying as well, is that it's very simple, that he's watching it, and he's been on that kick, and I think that's why he's probably asking you, because I, I imagine he's in the same way, where he's like, oh, shit, this guy's pretty good. Because, yeah, a lot of ECW stuff doesn't hold up. I always tell people, if you loved ECW, maybe just don't watch it on the network, because it's not going to hold up, the music's not there, it just doesn't have the same feel. It was definitely of its time, but Shane Douglas doesn't feel of his time. You can watch Shane Douglas and Taz or Shane Douglas versus you know Bam Bam Bigelow or whatever these big time main events these big time ECW world title matches or whatnot and they hold up very very well they are easily watchable still today so I think he more than almost anybody like you said holds up um yeah really more than any most of the other big stars of that company I I think he absolutely does so no I I think that's, that's probably an impetus for this question as well I'd imagine yeah I now now look some of the promos were vulgar and used language that isn't gonna fly in 2018 I mean that but that's just that's some that's a different discussion um because he did go down some of those roads but that's just you know it it, it, it this could be an entire three hour podcast itself but you can't really hold people to 2018 standards when they were doing something in 1995 I mean so from that perspective um you know the content of some of the promos may not hold up but the performance and 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 from that perspective, without quite, I think his stuff uh, probably holds up better than 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 a lot of the stuff in that era of ECW. All right, and our final question here takes us a little off topic. As I mentioned, thank you everybody for your questions. I'll answer all the ones that we didn't get to uh, in an overrun segment on uh, Patreon.com/slash/VoicesWrestling. So thank you very much uh, for asking those. So the final one here, Dan Waka asks. Um, all right, are hot dogs, burgers, wraps, and tacos sandwiches? If you answer to the first four is no, then explain to me what makes them different without resorting to because or pointing to a menu placement. So this is interesting to you because you work in the in the food industry. Uh, bonus question, is a calzone a close sandwich? And if so, does that make pizza an open-faced sandwich? So, Joe, what do you think about that? Hot dogs, burgers, wraps, tacos, are those sandwiches? And uh, what are your thoughts on a calzone as a sandwich as well? What is this, 2014? I know. This is, is we're, doing this again. we're doing this again, but I think it's a good way to close the show because I'm very interested in your thoughts. Because I know at, at some point this had to get be brought up uh, between you and, and, and people in the in, in the restaurant world as well. So I'm, I'm very curious on uh, on your thoughts for this because I'm just a dope. Who cares what I think? But you're a man you know, of the, of the industry, so I'm very curious. No. Nobody brought it up. Oh. A hot dog is a fucking hot dog. A calzone is a calzone. <laughs> Pizza is pizza, and a fucking sandwich is a sandwich. It was nonsense. What then. about a wrap? Is a wrap a wrap? A wrap is a fucking wrap. Why? You know why we gotta fucking change it around? A wrap is a cylinder-shaped fucking gimmick with the food inside. It's a wrap. Okay. I mean, a burger. None a burger things. is unquestionably a sandwich. Like that's fine. Like yes, a burger is a sandwich. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. But I mean, you know, that that shit was dumb then. 
and it's dumb now. And no, these were not hot topics inside the, <laughs> in the restaurant grill, world. Around the okay? grill? Oh, okay. No, right. you didn't have chefs arguing with each other or, you know, <laughs> hot debates and people pulling fucking knives on each other, arguing whether a fucking hot dog was a sandwich. Okay, it, it didn't happen. So, no, uh, utterly ridiculous. I mean, are we going to argue about the golden blue dress next? I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> That's next week. Yeah, let's do that next week. Yeah. Yanni or fucking Harold, whatever that was. What was it, Yanni or. <laughs> what was it? <he? laughs> Laurel. Laurel and Yanni. Yeah. Like, Yanni and Harold. I couldn't remember the other name. I thought, like, Yanni, Yanni or Bill, whatever those two were, you know? God, Yanni done. and Laurel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that what's next? What What were some of the other hot ones? You know, you had the um, fucking dress and uh, yeah, the dress was a big deal. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones that were. Those are probably the big deals right there. The hot dog is a sandwich one. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of what other. So we'll do and those every and, single and, week. <laughs> yeah, cereal is not soup. Okay, cereal is not soup. It's fucking cereal. So yeah, why why I, do we I, do I, this to ourselves? We have so much else to worry about in the world. Let's not worry about the classification of a hot dog. Just fucking eat the hot dog. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of it was good-natured, but people got real fucking nasty with each other. With they did. They really too. did. Yeah, that's what I was saying. You know, like, oh, no, you fucking idiot. What do you know about stuff? Like, Yeah. Like, yeah whatever, uh, you know, dude. it's... And then, of course, you know, after a couple days of it, everyone's fucking tired of it. And it just gets stretched on for weeks and weeks. For years and years, I legitimately think this was like a 2013 thing. This hot dog is a sandwich. And we're Right, but then, question. like, Good Morning America would bring it up. And then they would have to be like, oh, it's a hot dog and sandwich. It's the debate that's, you know, all over the internet right now. And it's like, if it's on Good Morning America, it's been done for, like, weeks and weeks and weeks. But then they dredge it up. And then, like, your aunt asks you about it. And then you're just like, oh, God, like... Yeah, well, like I mean, you're eating Thanksgiving dinner, and they're like, "Oh, you know, I've wondered if a hot dog's a sandwich or not." You're like, "Oh, Jesus Christ, we're doing this again!" Like, well, I, you know, in five years, someone's going to ask us if we know how to floss. So, you know, <laughs> I don't, that, that, I don't at all. That's so. what's coming next. Have you ever flossed, Joe? I'm doing it right now. Are you okay? That's what I, I, I thought. Can, yeah, yeah, I can do it. I would never do this in front of another human being, but <laughs> just to prove to myself that I can do it. Yeah, you I'm taught yourself it. just in case. In case at gunpoint you're you're told, hey, I will, I won't shoot you if you can floss. You you want to at least know how to do it. So I think that's the key to the floss is you really have to maintain the side to side movement of your hips. The trap that people fall into is they start to thrust, and that's the wrong motion. Well, because then you thrust natural. into your arms, right? You you thrust into your yes. arms, and that that throws the whole thing off. You, yeah, you you end up thrusting, and that's the wrong movement. It just concentrate. <laughs> You have to concentrate on moving your hips side to side and then find a rhythm to where then it feels natural when you're moving the arms across. Find the rhythm. After one or two switches, you usually find the rhythm and just concentrate on the side to side movement of the hips and do not thrust. That's the key to a successful floss. And then you can work on your speed. But again, I don't know nothing about this. I'm just practi- I'm just proving to myself right now I can do it. <laughs> And I see that Joe Lanza is a man who doesn't dance, but apparently I I do not dance. Joe Lanza does not dance, um, but I'm just proving to myself that I could. I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it as we fucking speak. Do you hear the motion? (laughs) Can you hear the motion? I kind of do. I kind of do. Yeah, a little bit. I'm sitting down, so I cannot. I've never actually practiced it, so I will uh, try. But uh, I got to get to the gym because I'm kind of getting gassed. (laughs) I can tell. Yeah, you really need to sit down and take a breather there. But yeah, now now if the floss wasn't officially dead, it is now. 100% 100% dead because Joe Lanza just explained how to do it at the end of a Floyd's Wrestling Flagship podcast. So I think yes, we're going to officially uh, 
rest in peace to Floss and rest in peace on this episode of the Voice Wrestling Factory Podcast. So as I mentioned, uh, good questions. Uh, a bunch of them will be answered again on an overrun segment on voicewrestling.com slash Patreon. Joe, you mentioned that possibly a BOLA uh, overrun as well, so a little bit of extra content coming to you uh, from voicewrestling.com slash Patreon, so definitely want to check that out. Uh, of course, you want to download Grapple. Uh, it's our sponsor this week, and it's a great app uh, that covers pro wrestling and ratings and all that other good stuff. Go to Grapple, G-R-A-P-P-L on Google Play or the App Store. It is totally free, and then you, of course, when you get on there you can follow myself and you can follow the most accurate star raider of all time joe lanza so make sure you follow those of both on grapple g-r-a-p-p-l for joe lanza i'm rich Kirch, and we'll see you next time on the voice wrestling flagship podcast take care